I made my family disappear. Kevin, you're completely helpless. No, Kevin, you're what the French call les incompetents. Kevin, I'm going to feed you to my tarantula. Kevin, you are such a disease. There are 15 people in this house, and you're the only one who has to make trouble. Look what you did, you little jerk. I made my family disappear. Welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that does, I think, what it says in the tin, it's best film ever, and it's the podcast that puts the plus in Disney Plus, it's Talking the Mickey, we've got a crossover episode. Yay! <laughs> Crossing over, it's the place where we cross over. The Atlantic. <laughs> <laughs> and all around the world, Liam, we're going to spread the word. We Tell got- them what we've heard. <laughs> it's going to be a brighter day. It's going to be a brighter Speaking day. of brighter days, let's introduce ourselves first. My name is Ian. I'm Liam. I'm Ellie. I'm Ethan. <laughs> and I'm Georgia. Hey, yeah. we've got a little bit of uh, audio issues with Ethan, so he's doing the old Zoom meeting, unmute, mute kind of thing. And uh, I think that's the only time we may have to be that quick on the draw. Well, that, yeah. that, that, that in the finish. So we are here days before Christmas, mm. firmly into, um, is Boris Johnson the Grinch that stole Christmas? Well, to a lot of people, yes, he is. Yeah. Not to get too political, but there's a lot of people who are, uh, had their plans for Christmas um, thrown up last night. Yep. When Boris came out and said, everything we said, we're changing. And I, I, the guy's in an unwinnable situation. Exactly. I, I'll yeah, fully yeah. acknowledge that. I Absolutely. mean, I don't think he wanted to go on and say, um, Christmas is canceled for some of you. No. Nor do I think he demand anything besides, I'm going to try and wait out and hope against hope that something lets me let people have their Christmases. At the end of the day, whoever's in power yep. would be going through exactly the same thing. I mean, I'm... I mean, I'm very glad I'm not in tier three or in tier four. Same. I mean, if you're outside the UK, I mean, basically what it means is like lockdown and like total lockdown. Yeah, complete lockdown. I think tier four is like, it's like can't, can't leave the house kind of old school thing. Isn't yep, it? yep. Kind of like it was in the summer. Yep. Yeah, but localized. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I know there's a vaccine and 350,000 people have had it, but it's a drop in the bucket. I went on a website. It says that I'm eligible. It predicts that I will get mine. I'm a teacher, right? Right. But it predicts that I will get mine in June or July. I bet you I get mine in 2025. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that gets me is that some of us on this podcast, no, we won't name who because no one knows, we work in schools, which well, means just, we like I, interact with... I just said I was with, teachers. So. Yeah, just out of myself. I know, I'm, mess, I'm messing. Oh, okay. I'm messing. <laughs> like, you work in schools, yep. you have several bubbles of kids that you teach because you're a high school teacher, sure. not let alone primary school teachers that have the same 30 kids. Like, but they, you don't, you can't socially distance from small children. My mum and my sister both work in a nursery, so you definitely don't socially distance from them. So you're part of all of those households' bubbles. And yet, I can't go and see my aunt, who my receptionist colleague goes to see for a beauty treatment. Yeah. on her face but i can't go and see it for christmas mm. yeah i think it's fair to say that a fair number of us are going to be 
Home Alone this holiday <laughs> season. Nice. Yeah, it felt, it felt kind of I'm unmuting just to say I hated that. <laughs> uh, let's do some thank yous. Let's get some positivity. I watched Big Mouth. It says that I should have the gratitude. And so as such, here come the thank yous. I hate that show. Um, for, hate that for show best so film, much. Oh, I love it. For, anyway, moving on for best film ever. <laughs> uh, we have charted this week in America, in Britain, yes. in Australia, in G'day. Canada, cool. in Germany, in Switzerland. And after a week off, we are once again the number one film podcast in Sierra, Sierra Leone. Leone. <laughs> yes. Hey. Thank you, Sierra Leone. I think what I'm hearing is once you listen to Best Film Ever, you don't need another film podcast in no. your life. No, I think there's lots of good ones out there. But if people of Sierra Leone want to say this, who am I to disagree? They're a great endorsement. They are. Also, <laughs> for Talking the Mickey, we charted this week in Britain, in Canada, number 17 in Brazil, number wow. 14 in Russia, number 40 in Denmark, Japan, number 20 in Switzerland, and we are in Guatemala. Wow. Hey, I love that. Talking the Mickey does go very Latin America. Yeah. And South America. For some reason, they'll seem to be, whereas the top best film ever tends to hit more like Western Europe. Oh, that's cool. It just seems to be where it is. I like that. Um, I'm hoping I'm going to hit the right button here because we have a reflection and a correction to make. Oh. So. There's a mistake I think I made. Minds are blown. <laughs> I, have some, so I have some new kit and I'm showing it off. That's Liam brilliant. and everybody else, but especially Liam, I blame me and you. Now, people sometimes go, you know, Ian, you talk a lot to Liam and that, and we're, we're the old guys around yeah, the table. Yeah, yeah. And therefore, I'm putting more of the blame of this next one on us. Okay. We talked last week about Denim Elliott. Yes. Who played the butler. Yes, we did, yeah. And we said, well, clearly it's the best thing he's been in. Mm-hmm. And then our good friends at Paul and Griff got a hold of me. Oh, okay. He plays Marcus Brody in Indiana Jones. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the man who can blend into anywhere. That's right. The man who but, got yes. lost in his own museum. He plays that. Wow. So I'm here to say, I have to change my vote, please. I, I changed was, mine too. I Thank think you. he was better in Indiana Jones, especially yes. Last Crusade. He's very good in Last Crusade, <laughs> I think. So, uh, fantasy football today. Football. Uh, all I know is that Ellie and I are in one semifinal, and it's bouncing back and forth, but she is about a 60-40 lead currently. Oh, do I? Yeah, you do. I was up 60-40. Yeah. 48% down. Yeah, then, no, it was 60-40 last time I looked. And Georgia, you need a bit of a, you need a, bit of a comeback against uh, Main I'm Street Finance. 35-65. It's gone up a little bit, but okay. it's not. So there, not looking too there is a legitimate chance it's me <laughs> and you playing for third place next week. And Liam, I, I, I'm okay with that. I'm playing for last place. <laughs> no, well, not, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, but right now you had a pretty healthy lead on, oh, I forget who you're up against, though. I think you're up against that song from that movie, in which case you're fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't think your members... I don't think they're engaged in anything, yeah. Not since week three or something, so you're probably <laughs> all right. So thanks. Yeah. That song from that movie, I imagine we may not be returning the invite for next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, let's do some shout-outs, because we've got a bunch of them to do here. And these are all best film ever this week. Um, cool. From Richard, friend of the podcast, Richard. Yay, he said, keep Richard. up the good work, guys. Wishing you a very Merry Christmas and a safe New Year. Thank you, Richard. Uh, we had some engagement with the Good, the Bad, and the Remake podcast. They said, what is any movie, if you could, it's a fun little question, actually. Mm-hmm. If you could watch any movie again for the first time, what would it be? Let's go around the table. Liam? Grease. Grease for the first time? Just yeah. to, okay. Uh, Ethan, if you want to unmute, what would be the one you would watch for the first time? This is no shock for anyone. It's Star Wars. Like, I wish hope, I yeah? could relive that. Yeah, yeah. Not, 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 I wish not I could Skywalker. relive that feeling. 
Oh, oh no! I, I want to feel that disappointment in... anew no, for the first yeah. time. <laughs> I say, I say that I saw the Midnight Premiere. I had a great time just letting it wash over me and be really confused. Did we do the Midnight Premiere? I don't think we did for this one, did we? No, no, I don't think no, because so. it was no. it was at the the majestic, yeah. and I was like, I wonder if you guys are there. No, we weren't. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm, no. I'm starting to. I'm much like. Um, much like um, oh Mur- Murtog, I'm going. I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm getting too, too old for this. Shit. I'm getting too old for it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Georgia movie for the first time. The pressed fucking Steve. The prestige. So good. Yeah. Stole my answer. Well, you know Sorry. what? You both stole my answer because that was mine to him. I said, the, I said the prestige, and he went, "But it's so good the second time you watch." I went, "I know. I've watched it many times since, but I want to see it again for the first time." And we no spoilers, no spoilers, because I'm not sure yeah. if Ethan's oh. necessarily seen it. I would quite like to see Fight Once. Club again for the first time, but without knowing that there's a twist. Yeah, I'd like to see Sixth Sense. Someone ruin that for me. I'd like to see Usual Suspects again. Oh, that'd be good. Mm-hmm. I wish I, really I, wish I could have seen Knives Out without knowing any of the, the story. Okay, don't tell me. Keeping things somewhat Disney-centric, I wish I could watch the Mandalorian Season 2 finale Ooh. without knowing what happens, because I got spoilered on it. And I wish I didn't know. So okay, that's I my don't know, so don't tell yeah, me. We're not going to tell Liam. He no. be, but I wish I could see that. And on that note, if you want to catch Mandalorian uh, thing, uh, Ethan and I did a review of season one on Boys Night over at Talking the Boys Mickey. Boys Night. And then the following week, Ellie and Georgia did... Frozen. I was going to say Girls Night. <laughs> oh. All right, girls, let it go. So, but then they did a trilogy of Frozen films. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not one to keep track, but right now, Boys Night is heavily out downloading uh, Girls Night. What has been out longer? What if, what if I were to say the first five days versus the first five days? Ooh. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but, Ethan, you and I got to talk about what we, how we want to do season two and uh, if we want, oh. when we want. So let's do that off mic, but yeah, we'll do that. Absolutely. We'll arrange a sequel to Boys Night. Uh, moving on, uh, we have Liam. Not this Liam, but a different Ooh. Liam, um, who had insomnia and gave us another listen. He's, he's not that because only because he has insomnia and thought they'll put me to sleep, but he <laughs> found himself awake and tweeted out and said, I heard the Christmas episode, said it was a great listen again. Santa Claus the movie was a brilliant film. Wahahaha. I said, Elf <laughs> is also a brilliant Christmas film. I think you're, I think you're respectfully wrong there, sir. Yeah, very wrong. Um, but he recommended us as an enjoyable listen, especially if you've seen the film. And I I think that's thank you, Liam. makes sense. Thank you, Liam. Yeah, from one Liam to another. Yeah, I, I think I think we are a companion piece to a film. I, yeah. I wouldn't say we're probably not a great listen because we're going to spoil everything, everything if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Uh, but I have a friend at work called John, and John like listens to us and then watches the film. He did that for Spider-Verse, and then he watched it, and he said, I really appreciated knowing everything you guys had said. I knew what to look for. Oh, okay. So it depends. Maybe he's not so big on the narrative although he's the one who was raving to me about mandalorian and tenet and things like that so i'm guessing he must care somewhat but the thing is i'd rather watch it with fresh eyes and then watch it afterwards again with i might watch it listen to the pod yeah watch it again like for instance i don't go and listen to any or look at any like youtube uh videos like cinema sins or pitch meetings or any of our other podcast friends who have done i stay away from that stuff until we're done, and then I'll check out what they've got to say to yeah, see how exactly. it lined up with, with, with our own. Yeah. On that note, I did hear back from M from Verbal Diorama okay. after we said, go check out her Coraline yep. review. And she admits she's a much more visual storyteller, but agreed and said, everything that we brought up, she's like, yeah, I can't, I can't argue with you. But it's the oh, question okay. is, how much do these things matter to you? Yeah. And so I really wish Georgia had been there for that, because I think she would have defended the visual storytelling, ironically enough. Mm-hmm. 
himself. Yeah, maybe, but I think he's a bit creepy, and they'll have just been like, no, I don't like it. Yep. Um, more shout-outs to our resident postie, Russell Osborne. Thank hey, you, Russell. Russell. Uh, Paul and Griff, can't believe some of us preferred Home Alone 2 to Home Alone 1. I stand by that. Yep. Uh, we'll talk more about this here. Uh, Carlo, who said, uh, we'll talk about Gangs in New York, and says Diaz and Leo were miscast, but did agree after I came back with it that maybe this is where Leo becomes an actor and oh, not a movie star. For sure. It is. I, I challenged him on Leo. Uh, Debbie, who was bragging that because she has Google Podcasts, she can listen to us on day one. So there you go, folks. If you're finding yourself having issues getting a hold of us on Apple Podcasts on day one, Google Podcasts or Spotify are both there. Richard's boss, Paul. Give Richard more money, I'd like to say. But he said he's enjoying the pod, but uh, that we've ruined Joker for him because of the theory. Oh, I see. Yes, the theory. And says that we need to review Jaws at some point. And I said, at some point, we will review Jaws. Yeah, of course. It's on the poster. It's all sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Richard uh, did say he would really like us to review Jaws. Yeah. Um, we've got the Holmes Movie Podcast, who said that trading uh, places that uh, praised it for Denim Elliott and for Eddie Murphy. I don't think anybody's uh, disagreeing with you there, buddy. Nope. Misfits and Mysteries Podcast and Blog, who says the soundtrack to Muppets Christmas Carol is their tree decorating music, despite never seeing the film. And I'm like, well, well, here's what you can do. Why not watch, watch Muppet Christmas film. Carol and then catch us? Because we're going to talk about it on Christmas Eve. We are indeed. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. It's Me our too. Christmas party, I've decided. It's, our, it's, our, it's the best film ever Christmas party. We, uh, uh, we're we're, uh, we're going to hear some Christmas. Film ever podcast universe. We're going to hear Christmas some. Party. We're going to hear some uh, some Christmas greetings from some of the uh, the, the, the the wider best film ever universe. Uh, Corinne Marcou, who said, first off, props for getting her name correct." And so that I say, "Bienvenue." <laughs> um, <laughs> and said it was another excellent listen to us. Digging in the dome for Rex and Rex, the F and Nerds podcast, who listened to our Christmas and Trading Places episodes, and then Emmett Verbal Diorama. We already talked about her, but there's a mutual admiration society going on, and that is shout outs. Hey, Not a small list. Thank you very much. Let's talk about Home Alone without any further ado. So Home Alone, yes. we've all seen Home Alone. We have. We all rate it. This isn't unseen to anybody. We all have our opinions on Home Alone of coming course. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, briefly, let's go. I think I've established, uh, if you listen to our Christmas episode, I established I'm not a great fan of Home Alone. At least I wasn't before I went and saw it again. Liam? Yes, uh, I'm a big fan of this movie. Uh, I grew up with this movie. Uh, again, it's nostalgia for me, so... I get all starry-eyed just watching it. Okay. Ethan? Uh, yeah, I saw this when I was like nine during the summer at holiday camp, so I've never related this to Christmas, but it's just been one of those things that I watch around Christmas every other year if I really have nothing else to watch. Okay. That might be something to put on the poster. Yeah. <laughs> watch it if you've got nothing else to watch. Uh, Georgia? Uh, I watched this quite a lot growing up because my little brother really liked it because as a young boy of about eight or nine he looked like macaulay culkin as kevin um and was as awfully behaved as he is as well um so <laughs> kind of it kind of reflected our our home for a little bit well maybe um, you picked up on some point of, where i could maybe you picked up on some of the lines the older siblings said to kevin and you can use those in the, uh, <laughs> yeah. in the, in the future such a disease. tell him the he's, yes. what, he's what the french would call les incompetents incompetents <laughs> hated that girl yeah hated her so much you're supposed to um, but yeah. yeah but yeah no i've um I, there was a point where i could quote it word for word but yeah. i can't anymore we found out uh ellie i know the answer to this but <laughs> so i have no nostalgia for this film at all because i only ever saw it as an adult but since i saw it i think i've probably watched it every year and i absolutely love it okay um let's go ahead then uh here is my thing okay let oh. me make my little precursor before okay, we start all right um I get – here's my request for this review because we all have preconceived notions going in. Okay, whether we love it or whether we hate it, 
going in. Can we analyze it like we would any other film? Which means if it's got plot holes, we talk about them. Yes, of course. And if there's positive things, we talk about those too. Because we are rating this against things like The Dark Knight. I know. So we have to consider. It can be your favorite Christmas movie. I've just asked you to consider where it fits into the greater pantheon of films. Can we agree with that? Yep. The nostalgia. Uh-huh. Absolutely. I'm aware that nostalgia is a powerful drug. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> as I said, I have no nostalgia for I'm, it. No, I'm, that's, that's fine. I'm just sort of putting it out. It's just as it's a funny, heartwarming Christmas movie, does it make it a great film? And that's all I'm going to throw out there. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Okay. Uh, and just as a side note, a massive thank you from Liam and I to the boys down at the Majestic, Majestics, yeah. who in Kings Lynn, our local th- cinema, who uh, had us down and uh, we were able to uh, watch, Home Alone? To watch Home Alone on the big screen, which I, famous, as I said previously, had never because I went and saw King Ralph. Yes, <laughs> you did. <yes. laughs> so it's my first time seeing this on the big screen. It was nice though, wasn't it? It's nice. And if you have a chance and you feel safe in your community, whether it's the Kings Lynn area or elsewhere in the world, yeah. uh, cinema needs your support now more than ever. Definitely needs your support. Uh, go on out, support, because if we don't use it, it will die. Yes. And so... And that'd uh, be a tragedy if we lost them. And locally, I think the Majestic is so important in our region. Oh, so important. And so... Um, yeah, we're just big fans of the Majestic. We hear they kind of like us. So yeah. that's quite nice thank you guys so thank you guys out there yeah all right um here we go context corner home alone is a 1990 american christmas family comedy film written and produced by john hughes john hughes who directed 16 candles breakfast club ferris bueller planes trains automobiles uncle buck curly sue and wrote the vacation films as well as producing christmas vacation and this film was directed by Christopher Columbus, who directed, amongst other things, Adventures in Babysitting. That's for my sister. She loves that film. I love that film. Do you? Yeah. At some point, we'll do that on the Disney one. Um, Mrs. Doubtfire, the first two Harry Potter films, Christmas with the Cranks, mm. Pixels, and Christmas Chronicles 2. So what I'm seeing is that for Christopher Columbus, there was definitely a tipping point. <laughs> because around the time of Christmas with the Cranks, Pixels, and Christmas Chronicles, I'm going, something, something changed. Christmas Chronicles 2 only came out this year. Yeah. So I don't know what you're talking about. It's not too bad. It's an amazing film. (laughs) (laughs) He has to unmute to be sarcastic. (laughs) I like this setup. (laughs) I I hate that I have to unmute now to be like snarky and funny. You can't just make like utterances. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now no one will ever like me. Oh, well, the, how, <laughs> how many did to begin with? Uh, uh, the concept of Home Alone arose... I'm like your annoying... I'm the annoying, like, antagonist. You are. <laughs> and we've, like, taken away your voice, <laughs> which is difficult on a podcast. Uh, the concept of you Home Alone... silence my freedoms. <laughs> the concept of Home Alone arose from a personal experience of its writer, John Hughes, who explained that he was going away on vacation and made a list of everything he didn't want to forget and thought, well, I better not forget my kids. And then I thought... What if I did leave my 10-year-old son at home? What would he do? He then wrote eight pages of notes that turned into a screenplay and imagined that children are naturally most scared of robbers. And therefore, he worked that into the film. Mm. Uh, he'd originally asked someone else to direct, but that person, it was Patrick Reed Johnson, who was directing Spaced Invaders. Never heard of it. Neither. He then turned to Chris Columbus, who was previously directing National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. So when I said that actually so when i said that um john hughes directed christmas vacation it's because chris columbus dropped out wow because he could not get on with chevy chase yeah he and he said a... that columbus treated him like dirt and the more i hear about chevy chase the more oh. i'm going i think christopher columbus is probably telling the truth here. yeah i do too um and previously he did chris columbus's last movie not the one at the box office and thought he would never direct again but then john hughes sent him a script and he said it was one of the best he had ever read now i'm gonna call a little bit of bs this is a great script 
the writing in this is not good. Okay, okay. It's a bit, you can tell me yeah, the yeah, story's yeah. interesting, yeah. but don't tell me it's a great script. Keep the change, you filthy animal. <laughs> Home Alone was... I mean, yeah, technically they did, they did make two films because they made that one as well. Because that is not a real film that was made there we for go. Home Alone. Someone's getting ahead. Uh, Home Alone yeah. was supposed to be financed and distributed by Warner Brothers, but they had a hard $10 million cap on the budget. Mm. They went over that. Now, this is like $10 million is way less than most films at this time. Yeah. Okay. And so uh, on the side, Hughes met with 20th Century Fox, you know, something that can't be that legal, and uh, asked if you'd be interested in funding the project if Warner decided to kick us out. And uh, it went all right. And it went uh, – so a copy of the script was apparently on, on the download delivered to Fox. Okay. Uh, bypassing, you know, a little thing called the law. <laughs> uh, Just a minor thing. He made his contract disappear. <laughs> so, uh, in the end, it went over budget. It went uh, well over uh, past $14.7 million, eventually grew to $18 million, And uh, Warner Brothers was like, we're out. And so 20th Century Fox were like, yes, please. And it shut down for like a day while they swapped over. Wow. So um, hang on, that paid off dividends, though, didn't it? I think we'll get to the money at the end. I think oh, okay. I think it did okay. Yeah, I think it did yeah. okay. So Home Alone premiered on November tenth, nineteen ninety, in Chicago, because it's a Chicago film. Of course, all of John Hughes' stuff is a Chicago film, mm-hmm. and entered worldwide release or wide release in the U.S. Sorry, on November sixteenth, nineteen ninety, and that gets us into the movie. So uh, the first thing we meet, more before anything else, is we meet the score. Yes. And it's that originally they were hoping to have some guy named Bruce Broughton score the film, but he was busy doing The Rescuers Down Under for our Disney link. Hey, I like that. I don't like Disney Rescuers or The Rescuers Down Under. It's one of the ones I went to cinema. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. And so this guy had to cancel at the last minute, and Columbus got in contact with Steven Spielberg, who then helped him get in contact with John Williams to get the final score. It's not mm. a bad backup. No. Who, who's your sure. second choice? John Williams. Yeah. Oh, no, right. <laughs> Um, and I gotta say this is this opening score it starts off with a nice bit but then it has this like it's very it's very creepy it's very Harry Potter I think yeah also also a John Williams score yeah sorry did someone say that they agree with me because I'll always have time to let people agree with me I was gonna say this film is not half the film it is without this scoring I think it's amazing and it's potentially a contender for best scoring when we get to that wow Wow, because yeah. we are doing our best of show in a couple of weeks. Ooh. So, yes, it's up. Wow, up for best score. It's a good score. I can't, I can't deny that. Score. It's a very good score. I mean, it's like. It doesn't say, get lost in the pantheon of the film, does it? No. It, it's there. and It's, it's there. It's quite, present. Yeah. Um, it does what it needs to do when it needs to do it and not when it doesn't. I mean, they really love the theme. The mm. theme they keep going back to. It's, it's and the, it, it just tightens things when it needs to. Like yeah. When they're running through the airport, you get the different yeah. score. Oh, it's good. I mean, there is that... That's from the Nutcracker, isn't it? Oh, I've never seen it. Ellie, well, you it, know it's this. You, it's, um, it, it's from something. I'm sure it's the Nutcracker. It's a Christmas theme ballet. It would be something, wouldn't it? Yeah. If you're out there, let me know that I'm right. Hashtag Ian is right again. He likes to know he's right. (laughs) I think I I am. So there we go. How can I look past that head? Hang on. (laughs) (laughs) I have to move. You better move significantly. (laughs) And then we meet the house. And this is a real house. It's a three-story single-family house uh, in the North Shore village of Winnetka, Illinois, which is where the previous films, Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, 16 Candles, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, She's Having a Baby, and Uncle Buck had also been shot. Wow. He shoots everything in this village. 
Uh, the interiors That's were cool. used only for the main staircase, the basement, the attic, and the first floor landing. All of the uh, parts of the house were duplicated on a sound stage in the gym of a former high school. Oh, I nice. this. Which had previously been used for yes. Uncle Buck and Ferris Bueller's day off, and they even put like a swimming pool in it, and the swimming pool that they shot in was for the basement scene when it floods. Wow. Yeah. That's clever. Uh, in May 2011, the house was sold. Uh, it was listed for 2.4 million, but only sold for 1.58 million. And wow. uh, yeah, and I don't know if you noticed, there is red and green all over this house, all over it. Mm. And that was decided. Well, how can we make this clear? It's a Christmas movie. Because uh, <laughs> they're not one of those diehard debates. No. We need to know that Home Alone is <laughs> yeah. a Christmas movie. It's okay, Paul and Griff. I yield. Okay, it's, it's a Christmas, Christmas movie. movie. Stop sending yeah. me stuff. <laughs> but no. Um, so just put red and green everywhere, and that was the answer. It's a Christmas movie, you filthy animal. And there's a lot of kids, and we hear them before we see them. And there's this bit where um, Fuller is sword fighting his brother on the stairs. Yes. But we get actual clashes of metal. So am I supposed to believe that these aren't toy swords and they've actually given them legitimate weapons to sword fight with? Because it's not that plastic clunk, clunk, clunk. No, no, it's it's metallic clash, clash, clash. Some Foley artist was trying a little bit too hard to be accurate here. <laughs> so you say this, and the Foley artistry in this film is another thing I really, really like. And there's a little okay. tidbit of information that goes through this film is that the foley is deliberately wrong in a lot of places because if they used accurate foley for how when marv and harry are being like beaten up it would sound and look too gruesome so they scale it back oh. like, so the foley isn't accurate to what would actually your head being smashed by an iron would be i, I hear more okay. sound of yeah i, I hear I, you I really literally appreciate it. it makes it more but then makes it more of a why do they exaggerate stuff. the clash of the swords because that's kids' <gasps> imagination, isn't it? Just a quick update for all of you out there dying to Nova second by second. I am now up 63.37 on Ellie. Ooh. I am. Touchdown, touchdown. So, um, <laughs> there's a Micro Machines reference early on, so we know we're in the late 80s, early 90s. Did you have Micro Machines, Liam? Uh, I had a few. My cousin had loads. I never understood it. As no. a kid, I went, why would I want a smaller version of a car? Yeah. I like my cars. Yeah. And you want that Hot Wheels size car? That was me. I don't need like the little mini mini. I'm like, what's the f- bigger toy, bigger fun? Yeah, I had um, I had a Dukes. I still got it actually. A Dukes of Hazard car, and it is the size of um, what say, a you're, basketball. I was gonna say you're looking around the room like, yeah, I'm I'm like at, you I'm realize people at, can't see this, right? Uh, no, but I'm looking size okay. of a basketball, and it came with a ramp. It was so cool. Um, and then we meet uh, <laughs> Harry, played by Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci, who was fresh off of Goodfellas. Wow. Talk about a double bill in one yeah. year. And he, uh, other people, including his Goodfellas castmate, Robert De Niro, was considered for this role, as was John Lovitz. But after they both rejected it, Joe Pesci accepted it. And the cinematographer uh, said that Pesci was more difficult to work with than Macaulay Culkin. I can imagine. Because the older actor believed some of the dialogue was not of a quality that measured up with his acting ability. He also resented the early time calls because he liked to get in a round of golf in the morning. <laughs> so uh, as a result, they changed his call time from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. so he can play golf. <sighs> but a cool little moment. Pesci deliberately wanted to avoid Macaulay Culkin on set because he wanted Culkin to think he was mean. Oh, okay. Should have just shown him Goodfellas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you think I'm funny, kid? <laughs> and director Christopher Columbus asked Pesci to do this How Am I Funny speech <laughs> from Goodfellas on set. And he was supposed to have a similar scene with Daniel Stern. 
about, uh, you know, having an edge and what it means to have an edge. What do you mean I have an edge? But it was eventually cut. And I think that's good. I don't think I need yeah, a, a Goodfellas no. reference here. No. Let this be independent of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want that. Because actually, if I hadn't thought, this was my introduction to Joe Pesci, I think, was Home Alone. No, Goodfellas was Or of a super. A super's a terrible was, film. Mine was Home Alone. And that means that every time I now see Joe Pesci in another film, including in Goodfellas, I only see Marv. Or Harry, or whatever, whatever one he is. That'll come in very Harry. interesting later on in Harry. the scene. Uh, Ethan, you got your hand up. What can I do for you, buddy? Yeah, no, I was going to say, there's already enough in this film which is skirting on, like, pretty adult lines yeah. that I'm still amazed that made it into this film. Yeah. And I can't wait to get into some of them. <laughs> Excellent. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely do that. Uh, and then we meet Kevin. And Kevin is, well, Joe Pesci, first off, is in a cop uniform, but he's trying to get someone's attention, and it's not working. No. He's got the least presence of any police officer, but you get that glorious Chicago flag on his arm. I'm not being funny. If you had a copper in your house, yeah. wouldn't you just ask why? I, this, is, this is not, this is the worst family. It is, This is it? the worst family. Mm. Uh, and we meet Kevin, played by Macaulay Culkin, not Macaulay McCulkin. But Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy. <laughs> uh, Hugh suggested to Columbus they cast Culkin in the role because they worked together on Uncle Buck. Uh, Columbus met uh, over 200 other actors to go for this role and then finally went, yeah, you're right. It's Macaulay Culkin. He is a good kid in this. Uh, many of his shots early in the movie that show Kevin shoot him from above so he looks small. Yeah. As the film moves on, the camera moves beneath and shoots him from underneath. So he looks big because he is growing, because he is changing, because Clever. he is not helpless anymore. Which was a nice touch. It's a nice touch. Yep. Uh, his stunt double was a very short 30-year-old man. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see this can when you? he's going from the house to the treehouse. Can you really? Yes, I noticed this as well. It's just so... It's just so I didn't like, this. That's weird. And I watched it twice this week. <laughs> um, and so um, everyone on set was amazed at how mature and professional Macaulay Culkin was. And Joe Pesci told Entertainment Weekly, Mac is not like a nine-year-old. He's an old man already. Now, I'm going to give you a theory later about why I think Pesci's being so nice to him. Okay. But i got to wait. Okay. That's what we call a tease. Um <laughs> Uh, when he got tired on set, he would just lie down on the ground and sleep between takes. Oh, bless him! That sounds like me. Yeah, I was gonna, I was going to say it reminded me of you, but you beat me to it. Um, Macaulay uh. Culkin was only allowed to work on set five hours a day because of child labor laws. At which point, wake up, kid! You got five hours. No sleeping on the job. Yeah. Uh, the crew planned the scenes around his schedule, put him on on camera alone a lot to make up for this. And then we meet Mom, which I mean Moira Rose, which I mean Catherine O'Hara. Uh, if anybody's a Shit's Creek fan, I hope you notice <laughs> that this is the mom from Shit's Creek in this role. I'll Canadian, Canadian Catherine O'Hara. See, I know her from Beetlejuice. Oh, she is in Beetlejuice. Mm. That would have been the first thing I would have seen her in. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Um, and Catherine O'Hara revealed that in 2014 that Macaulay Culkin still calls her mom. Oh, That's nice, isn't it? That is nice. Yeah. Cute. And Macaulay Culkin's, uh, so Kevin is, is pestering mum, and mum's on the phone, and she says, can you get off the bed? And he goes, why don't you hang up the phone and make me? I hate Kevin McAllister. <laughs> yeah. In this opening scene, he sucks. I hate sucks. him so much. I hate him what so much. What a little asshole. Yes. I hate I him hate so him. much right now. How did, I mean, to be fair, 
like every kid in this family sucks, but especially Kevin, and more so because I'm aligned with him. And by alignment, I mean he's the person the filmmaker's gone. It's his story. We're hanging out with Kevin. I'm not hanging out with Buzz. Buzz no. sucks too. But it's like, no, we're going to hang out with Kevin. And therefore, I have to like, how can I root for this kid? He's an absolute, it's a reasonable request. We're going the next day. I'm on the phone. Can you leave it on? Oh, why don't you get off the phone and make me? Gee, I wonder why no one lets you do anything, Kevin. Mm-hmm. And we have Fuller in the main role instead. We might, if, if it had been a couple of years later, maybe. No, but he turned out like to be, be a wet bandit. Oh, you were wet bandit. Very nice. Very nice. Until he gets to his teenage years, and then Casey joins the other gang. <laughs> no, no, this is why I hate being muted. I'm so close to making that joke. <laughs> and then we meet Dad, played by John Hurd. And according to Christopher Columbus, uh, John Hurd thought he was uh, above this film and thought it was going to be terrible. Wow. A lot of people on this film thought it was going to be terrible. Uh, after seeing the finished product and its success, Heard apologized to Columbus on set of Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. And he broke character before his first take to tell Columbus, I made a mistake on that one, and I'm sorry. And Columbus says he still has footage of the apology on tape. So, um, I want to see that. No, I, I, that's a DVD extra I would buy but it Yeah, for. same. Because uh, I don't really... Kevin Hurd's one of those guys who showed up in a lot of films, but I never really rated him. He's just kind of... John Hurd is one of these people that just a co-star. He's just there. Yeah. He's a face He's you go, a oh, I've seen him in this. Yeah. Uh, Ellie, I know we saw him in uh, Pelican Brief. Oh, Judy Roberts. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. was like the CIA agent who gets like killed in his hotel room oh, after yeah. he's going to make a deal to bring her in. Yeah. Same guy. But again, he's just kind of, you just forget that he's mm. there. Uh, and then we, Kevin hasn't packed, and Kevin's an idiot. Because packing, apparently to him, is like doing quantum physics. What do I do? What, what do you think? You, you take clothes. Like, is this, is this that difficult? Um, True. And this house, Kevin says, this house is so full it makes me sick. And then stamps on the floor, I'm living alone. I'm living alone. I'm not a good actor. No, not there. <sighs> I didn't think that any other time in the film, but there are. Really- he, I, I'll agree with you. He, this is yeah. his worst scene. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then meet Buzz. And I'm sorry, Buzz might be the least convincing bully ever. I'm not that convinced Buzz wouldn't get bullied himself. Uh, I thought exactly Buzz, the same Buzz thing. Buzz is a dork. He is, yeah. Maybe he does get bullied himself. He's definitely the sort of bully that has been bullied, yeah. Yeah, I mean... He that ca- was my theory. He kind of looks like a heavier version of Sid from Toy Story. He does. I keep saying <laughs> everybody reminds me of Sid from Toy Story, but he really does. Mm. Um, Ironic, because he's called Buzz. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. He was light years ahead of him. Um, and so, very nice. <laughs> and so, uh, Kevin wants to sleep in his room because he doesn't want to share a bed with Fuller because Fuller went to the bed. And Buzz says, I wouldn't let you sleep in my room if you were growing on my ass. <laughs> well, that's nice. Great uh, And Fuller, if anybody caught, who wets the bed, is played by Macaulay Culkin's cousin, Kieran Culkin. Oh, cousin. They look just like each other. They do, don't they? He and looks a, like the Milky Bar Kid. <laughs> every, yeah. every kid looks like the Milky Bar Kid. And they discover Old Man Marley, played by Robert's Blossom out there. And we get told by Buzz, who's a reliable source, of that he's the South Bend Shovel Slayer. And his salt turns bodies to mummies. Uh, Robert's Blossom considered this movie one of the high points in his career. And after his release, Blossom said that kids would often recognize him from playing Old Man Marley and say, aren't you the guy from Home Alone? And love that, because I've never seen him in anything else. No, I haven't. I'm sure like Paul and Greg will now tell me he was in yeah, like, Terminator yeah. 2 and like, one of the big parts. But yeah. I don't think I've seen him in anything else. No, me either. Uh, and then we meet Uncle Frank. And Uncle Frank sucks. <sighs> 
Uncle Frank is supposed to suck. Yeah, big time. Uh, played by Jerry Bauman. Ba- ba- I've never hated a character more in a film than Uncle Frank. It was very quick. And I was stand by that. The role was originally written for, and I would love to see this. Although, this guy did a great job. Yeah. Originally written for Dr. Fraser Crane himself. Wow. Kelsey Grammer. Oh, my God. Wouldn't that have been great if you had him saying these lines? Because he comes off as... Because you know what Jerry wasn't? Jerry didn't make me think he was educated. No. Kelsey Grammer would make me think that he's so arrogant because he thinks he's smarter. Yeah. And that would have been a nice touch for this role. And he had a bit of a slime to himself. Yeah. Yeah. I would have been well up for that. The guy they have doing it, he just feels like this, like... Bitter. Money pinching, yeah. very greedy, like asshole guy, and I feel like you said he could have made uh, Kelsey Grammer could have made that character so much more slimy and disgusting yeah. just through existing. I couldn't figure out for either of the dads what made them so special that they were both like ridiculously wealthy because they have ridiculous amounts of money in this. Yes, they do. <laughs> There's uh, a theory that Kevin's dad's in the mob. That's was he a good fella? I don't, I don't think a mob <laughs> boss is as, or a mob member is as, uh, he wouldn't let the power go out on him, let's put it that way. No. He'd have people waking him up. Uh-huh. Uh, and then the pe- let the power get out, go whacked. Maybe. And then the pizza's here, and it's Little Nero pizza. And that's a play on Little Caesar's pizza. Yeah. And it was, was, was recurring. I that so much. Then we had this recurring gag for um hitting the statue hitting the statue mm-hmm. what do you think about this i didn't care for it, it i liked it the first time yeah. second third no nah. yeah isn't it a pull through pull through from a different hughes film not that i, I not that i found in my research but if if you if anybody out there knows please let us know yeah, um, yeah i thought I, I thought i saw something on like a home alone trivia thing i might be wrong maybe. but i thought i saw something um, yeah there's so much pepsi product placement there is. After being told everybody should, should be drinking milk, like Fuller's having Fuller's none of it. Always, He's just drinking yeah, yeah. Pepsi and gives this like smile to the camera because we're supposed to be Kevin in that respect about like this whole like I'm going to wet in the bed next. It seems weird that Fuller's like I'm going to piss next. <laughs> yeah. Like if I was a kid who wet the bed, I wouldn't be proud of it. I never had a problem with bed, with bed, bed wetting. I knew people who did. Yeah, yeah. I think all of us did growing up. We knew someone and they were embarrassed about it. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't be like drinking Pepsi like smiling at you going, yeah, it's going to happen. Confession time. Okay. I used to wet the bed on purpose so I could have some attention from my parents. Ooh, I know. Wow. I was a bad child. And, <laughs> and it's been, you know what, and you're six months clean of that. So well done, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 122- 122.50 for 10 pizzas. I'm sorry, that's expensive. That is expensive, isn't it? For 19.90, that's expensive. Mm. Twelve dollars a pizza, which is like I don't know, like nine, ten pounds. Yeah, that's that's a lot. For nineteen ninety, that's a lot of money. Yeah, and I'm calling BS that anyone would eat Kevin's cheese pizza, even Buzz, if he's being a jerk. There's only a finite amount of pizza. Yeah, there's only a finite amount of room in your stomach. There's like twenty five people eating this pizza. Like you would go for what you're going for. Yeah, exactly. And like no one who doesn't know. Yeah. Right. Like, if I'm a choice between, hey, you can have sausage or pepperoni or mushroom or pie or Hawaiian pizza, or you can have a cheese one. Like, the cheese one's the last one I'm going for. <laughs> Unless there's barbecue sauce on it, because that stuff's gross. Or hot sauce. Uh, oh, I love hot, hot, hot sauce. Uh, <laughs> that would be the first 
one I went for would be a barbecue cheese well, pizza. Mm-hmm. So then Buzz is like, you can have some of the pizza back. and pretends to puke it back up, and Kevin attacks him and, like, does a good job. Yeah, he does. So Buzz is a terrible bully. <laughs> uh and so he gets milk on the ticket and milk on the passports. And I don't know why the passports are on the table. This seems like the stupidest place to put the passports. Considering Kevin's supposed to be the one that's bad at packing. Yes. The adults aren't great either. Yeah, like, why are they all there? Why wouldn't you have your own passports? Why do all the passports have to be together? That makes no sense. And why the tickets, aren't they already in the suitcase? Yes, and the tickets go in the gar... Uh, the, the one ticket for Kevin, I wrote, just only his, goes in the garbage. Uh, and Kevin, I've never seen that. Yeah, it goes in. Yeah, there. one goes in. One the goes bin. in. It gets covered by napkins really quickly. Oh. And so as they're walking out, Kevin really? looks at the pizza guy and goes, "Why did you bring more cheese pizza?" And I'm going in my notes. I don't think Kevin gets how pizza delivery works. So <laughs> yeah. the pizza guys do. I think they want cheese pizza, but I'll just give them one. Um, and then Pesci is still waiting to talk to the parents, gold tooth gleaming, and he's getting all the information. And very quickly, we, we, we suss out. This guy's up to no good. Mm-hmm. He's not here as he wants to be. Uh, Mom's trying to get Kevin upstairs, and by upstairs, I mean to the attic. And she says, get upstairs. And he says, I am upstairs, dummy. This kid sucks. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mom says, I don't want to see you for the rest of a night. He goes, I don't want to see you for the rest of my life. Mm. At which point, Mom's like, say it again and maybe it'll happen. And I'm like, okay, I know we've all been in this case where, like, you start making statements and you up it. And I'm not blaming any. I don't think Kevin had done anything this bad, really, to warrant this bit. This isn't like I'm yelling at you at anger. This is like I'm giving you a cold I hate you statement. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, yeah, mum here is is shit yeah, as well. Yeah. Like, this is not good parenting. And then he lays in bed, and there's a, with the Chicago flag in the background, beautiful flag, I'll say. <laughs> uh, hashtag CM Punk. Uh, there is a, a voiceover. Now, why has to be a voice? He lays in bed, and he's thinking, he goes, the voiceover, I wish my family would disappear. This is the only time in the whole movie that it decided, let's not have Kevin speak out loud. Yeah, all movie long, off. all movie long. If you had a drink every time Kevin speaks out loud, you'd be hammered. Like, yeah. there's your drinking game, Ethan. You always want one. Have us drink a sip every time Kevin speaks to himself in this film. Yeah, Take a is. fat shot every single time Kevin's an asshole. Yeah, well, um, and so writer and producer John Hughes was worried mothers would never believe a family could forget one of their kids. Chris Columbus, this is him recalling it, but said, John really filled in every possible logic hole and the audience always brought it. And I'm saying challenge accepted, Chris Columbus, because I'm on the case. Because <laughs> I think there's a million plot holes in this still. You do, don't you? Here we go. There's a storm overnight, which takes out the power lines, but they reinstall the power line, but not the phones. That's fine. They're two different lines. I can get my head around that. But I'm calling BS that nobody on the morning of a flight naturally woke up before 8 a.m., Yes, yeah, Kieran Fuller, sorry, Fuller, uh, Fuller, call, uh, Fuller, whatever his last name is, McAllister, <laughs> is like Fuller six. House. Fuller House, thank you, is like six, right? Like six year olds get up at like 5 a.m. Yeah. Like yeah. No, on the day when you're flying, like nobody's excited. They're all just having like a nice lay in. Not one person so. rolled over and looked at the watch ever. Yeah, and good why point. are all of their alarm clocks like powered by the electricity? Because it's 1990? Why? What, so they don't have batteries? You wouldn't have one in your bedroom, no. Mom is what, a like an old traditional battery-powered no. alarm clock with the little bells on it? No. I had one of those. That's, would, that's that's a, North America, a, no. It was a wind-up. But no one's got like a, a wristwatch alarm? Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, like one of the yeah. teenagers might have that. 
don't know. <sighs> He's got a movie, right? And so they said, we slept in. And there's so much bloody time lapse. We just speed everything up. And it looks, it doesn't look great. It looks stupid. And we get the bum, bada, bum, 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 bum. And so um, when we meet Mitch Murphy outside, and Mitch is needed to make the plot believable, and he's the neighbor kid. And he's played by Jeremy, sorry, Jeffrey Wiseman, uh, who actually auditioned for the role of Kevin McAllister, and this was his consolation prize. Aww. And they trust uh, Uncle Frank's daughter to count the heads. Um, and on a side note, there's the sister, Megan, who tells Kevin that he's useless. So it's the oldest one of his sisters. Yeah. She, she later challenges Buzz. You don't care if Kevin's home by himself? Her name's Tracy Wolf. She would shortly after this quit acting and represent the United States in judo at the 1996 Olympics. Wow. Wow. That name rings a bell. Tracy Wolf. That might be the most 1990 name in this film. Mm-hmm. Heather, the cousin that has to count everyone. Yeah. She's my favorite child in the film. Oh, is she really? Yeah, because she's just like, she's like, da, 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 shut up, Buzz. Da, da. Yeah. But it, I just like her. Yeah, because Buzz is trying to put her off the count. That would have been cool if it's Buzz's fault that she, there's a better film. Yeah. She misses the count because Buzz is just being a jerk. No neighbor kid having to come in. Just as she's going, yada, 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 Buzz's stupid move. And then the fault's Buzz. And I can get much more on board with that than just stupid neighbor kid coming over. Yeah, true. Okay. Yep. Um, they say we got 45 minutes to get to the flight, and there's no bloody chance if that's an international flight. No way. None. You have to be there an hour early. Senta Moses, who played Tracy, uh, recalled that in 2020 that one of the most difficult sh- scenes to shoot was the family's run through O'Hare International Airport. I've been there. It's a big, big airport. Mm-hmm. Uh, while the scene doesn't last long, it required several days to film. Can you imagine just what are you doing Monday through Wednesday? Running, running through an airport. <laughs> I thought they were doing a Rocky movie. There were thousands of extras, all expertly choreographed, so none of them would be in danger running at full speed through the American Airlines terminal. This is the report of Tracy to the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, And we ran at full speed. Sometimes we'd bump into each other like a multi-car pileup on the expressway and just crack up laughing. There were so many setups and narrowly missed moments of disaster, but to my knowledge, no one got hurt. And my statement is, yes, I completely blame mom and dad here. Because as you're running... I don't care what the head count was. I'm a teacher, right? I've done field trips. You do a head count every time you get to a station. It's not one head count. No, 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 no. And as you're running through, you're going one, two, three. Okay, I haven't seen where's. And Kevin's like, I'm trying to think of words so I don't have to bleep out so much this time. But he's a little bastard of the family, right? (laughs) You would be looking for him. You would. And he's the smallest in the family. You'd be looking for him too. Yeah. Because if you're dad and mom, the smallest of, of your kids, you know, Frank can worry about his own kids. Yeah. Stupid. Very. I do like that there's the, because the, there's 15 of them. I believe they purposely did an odd number so that when they split on the two buses, each bus just both thinks they're on the bus with less people. That makes which sense. Which is why no one no one questions yep. where, but where he is then. Sure. And then at the ticket gate, if you watch the yeah. ticket lady, she counts them all in. And it matches it to the tickets, and of yes. course it's right because they're missing a ticket. But you would surely go, and here's one, here's one, two. You wouldn't just hand them the stack, and you'd count no, the kids. Yeah. You just ran through an airport. Oh, you might yeah, think no, I lost someone. Yeah. <sighs> uh, and how do they make the flight? There's no international screening. They'd have to be present for And if there was, then you'd notice Kevin wasn't there because you'd have to walk the kids through it, and Kevin would be scared, and mom might go, I better look out for Kevin because he's going to be scared. He doesn't know what to do. It's his first time on a plane. Yeah, it's just on a domestic well, like, flight. On a, dom- no, 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 no. on a domestic no. flight, you could get away with this. Yeah. Like, do you not have to get passports out to go through? No, if you're if, if you're flying like, if you're flying with, within the United States, no passports are necessary. 
No. They're not. They're going to France. At least not in 1990. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. I said domestic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. Like, So it shouldn't... That's, I'm just saying, there should have been another point where they went, oh, wait, I've got his passport, but no child. And uh, they get to the plane, and Mum says as she sits down, uh, we're told that there's no room for any of them to sit together, and then Mum and Dad get seats right next to each other. Uh, on the plane, Mum says, I hope we didn't forget anything. And then we cue to the doorknob. This I liked. The decisions about where to get in and out of scenes was well done in this. It was clever. Uh, now, again, I'm calling BS. They're all running around. Like the screaming that must be happening. And Kevin hears none of this and sleeps until at least 9 a.m. because kids do that. That's why he was up in the attic. <sighs> <laughs> Makes no sense, no. Uh, he needed to be out of the way, but I, I don't believe he yeah, wouldn't yeah, hear yeah. it. I know. Uh, especially because they get the ding it. dong. Like, he'd hear that. Yeah. Uh, Maybe the attic is soundproofed. May- <sighs> okay. Uh, I've been in a few attics in North America. I don't know if they're any different here, but they're pretty... They're not, they're not insulated, so there's less things to actually deaden sound. Yeah. That's uh, Dad's recording studio. He's a sound engineer. That, sure. Give, give me some reason why it is. Tell me, tell me that it's, Kevin was listening to his radio and it was on batteries, and therefore it's the only thing that doesn't go off all night. Maybe it's Fixed. soundproof because his dad actually is the mobster. He needs <laughs> that's somewhere where he whacks to be people. quiet for when he whacks his murder his... room. Kevin, yeah. Kevin gets up, looks around, uh, sees the cars are in the garage, but doesn't question where the luggage... He says, oh, they can't have gone to the airport. Where's the luggage, Kevin? Where's the, where's, where's the pile of passports that were on the table? Where's everybody's shoes? And why is the house so quiet? Where's everybody's shoes? Like, that's a yeah. dead easy fix, isn't it? I'd be near the door, wouldn't it? Where's the coats? Yeah. Come on. Um, and so he goes to the basement, and the furnace is sentient. And this is because Chris Columbus wanted the scene where the furnace came to life, gets up on all fours, and chases Kevin to the stairs. The scene would have cost over $1 million, so it was trimmed down to the furnace simply lighting and saying Kevin's name, and was accomplished by two guys with fishing line and flashlights. It worked well. And then Kevin's sitting there, and he goes through the whole, I made my family disappear. And then like all like, the, the, the characters do like these like direct like floating heads around them. And it's not the same way they were delivered earlier, so some of them are a bit different. Some of them aren't bad, like Les Incompetents. That was pretty good. But, and then they gave us a new one of Buzz. I forget what Buzz's was, but it was like something he didn't say in the movie to that point. I'm oh. going to feed you to my tarantula. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was it. That's right. That wasn't in the film. And, and the You Little Jerk wasn't done nearly as well. Like, when I'm expecting You Little Jerk, I'm expecting... Like, I'm expecting that, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm expecting. And we didn't get that. And yeah. so then he goes, I made my family disappear with the smile. Now, this is a fourth wall break. He's l- talking directly to the audience. And here's my question. If you're going to do this, why not do this the whole film? Yeah. Why not look at the camera and explain to us what he's going to do? Because he spends all the time talking in the mirror to himself. Did you have a problem with this last week in Trading Places? Uh, which was what? The, the, the fourth wall break? Yeah. He looked at the camera once. John Hughes yeah. does And this. it was a look. It John, wasn't a line of dialogue. John Hughes does this a lot, though, doesn't he? Yeah. You know, it's in Ferris Bueller well, a lot. This is my next point. Do you think he doesn't do it because of Ferris Bueller and they would have thought you're a one-trick pony? Yeah. So if he's talking the whole way through, and then I started thinking, is Home Alone, in many ways, just like a, like a spiritual brother of Ferris Bueller? One kid, different age, mm-hmm. by himself, having crazy adventures that no one would believe. And at the end, no one really finds out what he's done. Yeah. Ah, I like that. Just a thought. That is a thought. 
I'm quite proud oh, of that. I never thought that before. Oh, that's 100%, 100% original by me wow. on that one. I'm taking that one, yeah. So, um, then it comes out later that John, what John Hughes wrote something because he's dead now, isn't he? Uh, yeah, he is. Yeah, he wrote something to say that, you know, Ferris Bueller and... Kevin McAllister are the same character. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be great if these were like all like neighbors, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? <laughs> Just like this, 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 this it's his story them. now. It's yeah. his story. Yeah. They all. We needed one scene where they kind of like the Avengers, and they all come together in the end, and they're mm. just all part of the same universe. Funny. Um, there's so much time lapse as he runs around, enjoying his freedom, and so much dubbed audio. Like what we saw wasn't what we heard. Nope. He's like, <laughs> he's jumping on the bed. And when he was jumping on the bed, uh, there were uh, two, several crew members lying on the floor on both sides at the foot of the bed. And they'd been instructed to lay there and be ready to catch Macaulay Culkin in case he accidentally jumped or fell off the bed. <laughs> <laughs> so the poster and video box image of Kevin with hands on his face was improvised by Culkin. He actually forgot to pull his hands away as he screamed. And this, <laughs> this became the most famous shot in the movie. A lot of people do it, don't they? Yes. And then they break into Buzz's toy chest, and it's got Junior Mints, a BB gun, Playboys, uh, not money. I thought it had money. It was wrong. Uh, the picture Kevin finds of Buzz's girlfriend and goes, woof, was a picture of a boy made up to look like a girl because director for Chris Columbus thought it would be too cruel to make fun of a girl like that. Um, it was the art director's son. <laughs> I knew this. That's funny. Yeah. Is the BB gun... Sorry, is the BB gun an homage to a Christmas story? Is anybody familiar with the Christmas story of the film? No. It's the kid who just wants a BB gun for Christmas, and all he gets told is, you'll shoot your eye out, you'll shoot your eye out. And then sure enough, what happens to him? He shoots his eye out. So it's in the, yeah, someone it's, else it's, it's in the American Christmas vernacular. Very, yeah. very good. <laughs> and so I think the fact that he has a BB gun and just uses it well, I think it's a little bit of a payoff to something that American audiences. It doesn't do well in Canada. It seems to be an American sh- movie specifically. I believe the story. It's Ralphie. <laughs> uh, I mean, the pages on the Playboy magazine that Kevin looks through were taped together so young Macaulay Culkin wouldn't see any nudity. Aww. What do you mean? Aww. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a cute thing for the director to. Oh, okay. To do I thought it was more like, oh, sure like poor, that. poor Kevin. No, oh, like, oh, that's cute. He okay. tried to make the breast of it. That was. Oh, jeez. Like, I loved his reaction to the Playboy magazine. <laughs> Not wearing anything at all. No clothes on anybody. Sickening. Sickening. That was the word. <laughs> and tell you what else was sickening was the film that he wanted to watch earlier in the movie, Angels with Filthy Souls, which is Georgia told us was made for the film was made for the film i didn't know this when i was a kid i thought it was a real film do you know i think i I think it's a play on the film angels with dirty faces it is is it it? it? yeah yeah Yeah, i always thought it was (laughs) yep so he screams out guys i'm eating junk food and watching rubbish you better come out and stop me and i'm like well who really cares outside of like the adults yeah exactly but again another giant can of pepsi yeah and frito-lay which i think they're the same company i think pepsi might own frito-lay i might be wrong okay uh, for the film within a film, Angels with Filthy Souls, which comes from Angels with Dirty Faces. Great movie. The shooting took one day. Uh, it was on the final test day prior to the official start of principal photography. And to create the illusion, it was filmed on a black and white negative film and featured props from the era. Uh, like most of the sequence, uh, it was shot with low, wide angles that was to capture the action as if a child were perceiving it. I'll tell you what. I'm really impressed with the amount of thought that went into the cinematography yeah, in this film. that's cool. And please tell me that the actor who played that part was an actual actor from the time. I don't know. Well, how can it be an actor from the time? It was shot like that day in 1990. Yeah, I mean, from the, from the 30, 40s movies. 
Oh, I don't know. I think he's just doing his best re- uh, his best send up of it. Oh, it'd be nice if that was some sort of cameo from somebody who was somebody way who back was when. actually like a young kid on the back then, and now yeah, he's yeah, playing. Yeah, 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 that'd be good. That'd be cool. Um, and so he uh, Kevin ends up being scared by this and hides and runs away. When the one mobster whacks the other mobster, I will say though, if you ever get the chance, watch Angels with Dirty Faces. Is it good? It's a great movie. Great storyline. There we go. Yeah. Uh, back to the plane, and uh, uh, and so Dad thinks. Well, Mom thinks they forgot something, and he goes. You do this, you do this, and you do this. Then it's, did you close the garage? And he goes, no, no, I forgot nope. to close the garage, which we saw is true. He did forget. Yeah. Now, he couldn't have closed it because the backs of the vehicles are out ever so slightly because if they were in, we wouldn't be able to see the cars were there. The shadow would hit it. Yeah. So he couldn't have closed it. Like He's parked with like 95% of the car in and just a little bit sticking out. Just a thought. Yeah. Uh, and then she suddenly realizes, and I'll give him this again, it's a direct shot into the camera for the Kevin. Like she's, it's almost the mirror of the I made my family disappear. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. looks at the camera as though to let us know that she's determined, she's come up with this. Uh, we have a tobogganing scene. I'm just going to say Kevin would be dead on day one because this toboggan <laughs> does not line up with the door. No way. And it, then it lines up the wall. First, it should hit the wall. Then it should hit the staircase because he goes on an angle. Yeah. And then, then he should like completely break his tailbone as he goes through this thing and lands. Oh, it's terrible. Um, <laughs> And this toboggan is actually um, in Christopher Columbus's office now, and the whole cast signed it. Oh, seems like an interesting thing to sort of choose, but I guess it's a yeah. big it's a big prop yeah. that you can remember from the film, and you can get everybody to sign it. That's cool. Back and to the Christmas movie. Christmas movie. Back to the plane, and the pilot can't reach the house because the phones are still broken. And I've gotten my notes in big capital letters. Then call the police, or call frankly anybody else who can get there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we can't get a hold of the house. Is, is he limited to one phone call? Is this jail? <laughs> Surely you can call other numbers. Like, you're in the air for how many hours? Like, this movie should have been solved by the time they touch down. Yeah. <sighs> Uncle Frank says not to feel too badly because he forgot his reading glasses. Too soon? I love the looks from the other three. They just oh. like to turn around and give it the most deadpan stare. And this movie makes us wait a long time before we meet Marv, played by Daniel Stern. Hmm. He's really good in this. Um, there seems a big age difference between them two. It does, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Save and even as a later. kid. Sorry? Save it for later. Yeah, I haven't thought about the age game. Oh, jeez, that's going to be hard. Yeah, but even as a kid, I thought to myself, but why are they friends? Yeah, what? you're not wrong. I don't wrong. get it. You know, there's... Liam, yeah. why are we friends? Um, Are we? <laughs> <laughs> you guys in like some sort of like... A gang, what you're calling card? <laughs> uh, Daniel Stern was cast as Mar. The wet sticky bandit. Yes, the wet sticky bandit, <laughs> or the sticky wet bandits. Which <laughs> would be, oh, that's worse. That's worse. <laughs> Daniel Stern was cast as Marv. Before shooting started, he was told the film production schedule been extended from six to eight weeks, but said we're not going to pay you anymore. So we're going to increase your time on set by thirty three percent, but pay you the same amount of money. And he went, no, 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 I want more money. They said no. He said, fine, I quit. And then they cast Daniel Roebuck. And Daniel Roebuck... Who's um, he? No, he's not much of... Th- he had a, a small recurring role on Lost. I never but saw he, it. According to different reports, he learned to get over this, or he became very bitter. I think it's likely of a latter. Oh, okay. Because Daniel Roebuck was hired to replace him, but after two days of rehearsal, Columbus went, there's no chemistry between you and Pesci. And, and, and fired him. Wow. And brought back uh, Daniel Stern. And paid him his dues. Uh, yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah, okay. I mean, this, this Daniel Robot guy like made, 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 made his money because yeah, yeah. he didn't quit. So Daniel Stern quit. Yeah, yeah. So that's it. You, take, you, you don't get paid. 
eventually he did. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but Daniel Roebuck got paid a lot of money for two days' work. Wow. Yep. Uh, but look for Marvin Harry was based on Fagin from Charles Dickens' Oliver Twist. Ah, wrong Which oh, yeah, you can kind of see, I think, yeah. 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 Uh, we find out it's the Wet Bandits. Uh, on the set, Pesci and Stern both had difficulty refraining from using swear words, which became annoying to Pesci. I mean, think, he's just done good Goodfellas, yeah. which is so much profane. <laughs> I think this evens out the universe, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I think we said, like, there a were bit- a lot of... Yes. Oh, there are a lot of lines that... Uh, Pesci has, especially at the end, where you can tell that he's really, he's really trying not to yeah. swear, and he's just whack, 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 like quacking at that point. Yeah, I want to hear the outtakes. <laughs> and so, I mean, you got to keep in mind as well. Um, like we said in Goodfellas, like it was something like ninety-three f bombs get dropped, but like seventy-eight of them were Pesci. Yeah, so like it's insane. Um, there is one swear word that makes it into the film, and I'll talk about it when we get to it. Okay, okay. I'll see if anybody remembered it or not. Um, Pesci kept forgetting he was filming a family movie during his character's on-screen outburst. The director, Chris Columbus, said, why don't you say fridge instead of the F word? <laughs> Pesci's use of cartoon cursing uh, apparently drew comparisons to Yosemite Sam. We find out the lights are choreographed. That's great. Just rob them. I didn't get it. I mean, okay, great. You know when all the lights are turning on. Just rob the block. Because mm-hmm. here we get no one's home. No one. No. I love the idea as well that all of the lights are um, scheduled to come on like 10 seconds apart from each other. Yeah, like he's the got the time. Like, and like the went, neighbors have said, yeah, let's do yeah, this. Let's do this. Shall we? And he's got <laughs> down to the second on his watch. Yeah, yeah. They needed his wristwatch in the house. They wouldn't have been late for their flight. Does Marley seem rich enough to afford a house in this neighborhood? No. No. No way. No way. Uh, there's a bit of a meat cute. Uh, Ke- <laughs> the wet bandits try and get into the basement. Kevin wakes up because he's fallen asleep after being scared of the movie. Turns the lights on and out they go. And you can hear every word Harry and Marv are saying. Like the glazing in his windows must be the worst ever. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're like whispering and he can hear the whispers on the other side <laughs> of the door. Uh, back in Paris, they've landed and it's daytime. Now, forgive me if you will. I went down a rabbit hole. Go for it. Did you check the time zone? It takes eight hours and 48 minutes (laughs) to fly from Chicago to Paris. If we assume it was eight o'clock, they said they have 45 minutes after a while to make their flight. Let me tack on an extra hour. Let's say they leave at 10, Mm -hmm. two hours after they wake up. Yeah. That gets us to 7 p.m. Chicago time, which is 2 a.m. Paris time. How is it light out? Yeah. That sounds like some sort of riddle that there's an answer The correct to. answer is there wouldn't be a morning flight from Chicago to Paris. Oh, okay. You, wouldn't have, you would not have people arrive at 2 a.m. Yeah. That's just not cohesive. You would wait, do an overnight like I do when I fly back. Yeah. And you would land at like 9 a.m. or 7 a.m. Yeah. So there's no, but we needed to have the storyline work. So the McAllisters are those cool. stereotypical Americans with the phones. They kick some French lady off the phone because they're American and need it more. Uh, now they phone the police. Kevin's decided he's going to go outside and say, I'm not afraid anymore. And then he sees Marley outside and runs and screams. And basically, this just gives us all sorts of footage for the trailer of him running around the house. <laughs> How much shorter is this film and this side plot if Marley just says higher smiles at any point in the first 90 minutes of this film? So much shorter. Mm. Like, why is there grimace everywhere? The, we need the symbolism of him. It's like Jesus crucifix wound on his hand getting smaller oh, as he learns to love and accept. That. 
because it's a massive bandage to begin with, then it's a plaster, then it's gone. And Moira Rose, mum herself, Mother McAllister, gets a hold, finally gets on the phone and phones, and eventually is put through to friend of Nick and Russ, and it's a big shout-out from us to Nick and Russ, don't know anything. They had this man as a guest on their podcast, Larry Hankin. That's cool. Yeah, the the police officer is not interested in helping. (laughs) <laughs> that's larry hank and mr Aww. heckles himself from friends yes it is yeah 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 so nick and russ had him on the on the show oh wow i'm a bit jealous that's of that yeah wouldn't it be too. great if i could like cut now and here's our conversation with larry hank and that might have been all right <laughs> yeah. for his one day on set not talking to anybody in the cast wow yeah because he'd have been in a room by himself wouldn't he? oh yeah he would have been yeah. yeah uh and then um they do uh decide they're gonna send a policeman over the policeman goes over, knocks on the door like twice, looks, tries to look in the window and declares, no, there's no one here. Doesn't go, Kevin, it's the police. Kevin, it's okay. Your mom phoned us. We know you're home alone. Your mom's in Paris. Kevin, let me in, buddy. You would, wouldn't you? None of this stuff. Just goes, no, no, no. He goes, tell them to count their kids again. <laughs> this is Christopher Columbus's father-in-law, who I thought did an okay job. If nepotism is going to be a thing, this was all right. He did an okay job acting. Shit job as a police officer. Yeah, the police officer's terrible. Yeah. But he did a good job. Like, if you're told an eight-year-old, tell them to count their kids again. Not really representing Chicago's finest in the best light here. No. No. <laughs> Mum decides she's going to fly standby. And here's my question for this plot, then. I was going to bring it up at the end, but I'm going to ask it now. Is it important for the audience that we see Mum suffer so much so that we forgive her? Yeah. Do we need this? If she'd just gotten on a direct flight, would it have been the same? Or did we need to see her struggle and yeah, be we, humble? Yeah, we did. Would, we did. She'd got on a direct think, flight. You wouldn't have met John Candy. That's true, too. I think we need to see how far she'll go to get back to Kevin. Yeah. Like, okay, fair enough. We need to yeah. see how much she'll sacrifice. That's good. And it breaks her. It yeah. breaks her financially. It breaks her socially. It breaks her belief in who she is as a human being to a degree. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Kevin has a bathroom monologue where he says everything he's done that morning. And again, it's so much easier if he's just breaking the fourth wall and telling us this. <laughs> Um, drinking game, I said every time Kevin talks to himself. Uh, why does the aftershave sting? Yeah, because he hasn't shaved. Because, Liam, I, I don't know. I'm sitting here going, the whole person had aftershave is it stings because as you've shaved, you've created little wounds in your face. Yeah, you've opened pores. And then as a result, the alcohol, whatever it is in the aftershave, stings that. Yeah, it closes he, the pores. Yeah, he won't have shaved, no. so he won't get the sting. <laughs> I've always thought this too. But it was a joke they went back to more than once. Yeah. Does it not cut though? So technically, <laughs> cut. Does it not cut between points in the bathroom? So he could have shaved and they just. He doesn't. Didn't show me- he doesn't mention it in his no. speech. And tell- he tells us everything he's done to that point that morning. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, Kevin then breaks Buzz's room, and should legitimately have a concussion. He yeah. climbs yeah. these these things, these shelves, and I am wondering how Buzz got the stuff on the top shelf. Yeah, because it's quite high up. Because it? it's quite maybe high up. Maybe yeah, Maybe. Uh, but Kevin should have a concussion, and the spider escapes. Uh, at least that, that was good. We saw that a few times throughout the movie. The spider was running around. Yeah. yeah. But Kevin should have a, definitely have a concussion. And the wet bandits are now robbing the Murphys just when Dad happens to phone again because they phoned everybody, and nobody's picking up at all. And they keep phoning because, I don't know, maybe they've come home on Christmas Eve day. I don't know what the logic is Why on this. Why does everybody grow out Christmas Eve? I don't know. And if, there's, if they're nicking everything, which is what apparently they're doing, why was the answer machine? Because we were told VCRs. Yeah. Remember VCR sort of thing. But VCRs, why are you not nicking the phone and the, and the, if anything, you want the phone out? 
You don't want anything going on that could possibly no. provide a timeline. But this is how they find out that Kevin's home alone. Or at least the McAllister home is empty and there's a kid who's home alone. I thought everybody stays at home for Christmas. Yeah, it seems like it no, just, one, no one wants to stay in their picturesque three-story homes. I would. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and again, they don't know anybody else in any other part of Chicago to stop by. No one. A grandparent, a co-worker, yeah, yeah, yeah. no one. Somebody you would. Uh, Lame. It is. So they just go, oh. My ratings seem to be going lower and lower and lower. <laughs> uh, there's a toothbrush theft and a chase. I think it was just to give us an exciting incident at this part of the film. It's the slowest chase scene ever. And Kevin, like, slides on his knees across this, like, skating rink. Yeah. And as he slides, we get a point of view shot. And we see this skate, like, go flying by him by someone who's doing, like, some figure skating. Kevin's face should be sliced open. Yeah. Big, yep. big he should, wound. He should look like Tyrion Lannister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it should be that. Um, and he's, eventually he just goes, I'm a criminal. Meanwhile, so we, we cut back to the Wet Bandits. Uh, and he's like, I did it again. I did it again. You didn't. You didn't. Yeah, I did. You left the wall, the wall taps on. He goes, you're sick. You're sick. And you know what? I agree with Harry. I agree, yeah. sick. I understand Harry. I want to rob stuff and make money. You've got the stuff. I want the stuff. I will sell your stuff. I can get my head. I don't. I wouldn't do it, no. but I can get my head around that logic. Yeah. I'm going to purposely damage your home for tens of thousands of dollars of damage. Just because I can. Just because I can. Yeah. How is that a positive? It's not. Like there's nothing in, it. and we're supposed. And to you be- want to be in and out as quick as possible. Yeah, and we're not- supposed to believe Marv is the is like the nice one. The movie tells us Marv is the nice one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as they're arguing, they almost hit Kevin with the van. In the scene where Kevin walks by the driveway, just as Harry and Marv are driving down it and stop just in time to avoid him, it was achieved by having Macaulay Culkin walk backwards and the van was driven in reverse away from him. And then they flipped it backwards. So it uh, looks like it's approaching him. Clever. So very similar to... I think he used to go in films, hasn't it? Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Oh, they don't actually stab. He actually pulls it up and have yeah. them pull it down. Yeah. So clever. And you'd never know. You wouldn't. You can't tell you can tell there's some smoke going into the van rather than coming out is there really uh-huh well done you how do you know this you do some research or you just happen to note that i, I did do a bit of oh, okay. research yeah uh, kevin then, <laughs> i'm not that clever kevin runs away and hides in a nativity scene on a side note really quickly really quickly i call bullshit i do too but give me a moment i watched the nativity today oh did you i couldn't sleep so i woke up and wrapped my christmas presents and turned on the, the nativity because i'm like i want to see this Oh, Everyone's cool. talking about it. Yeah, it's 100% a British film. Oh, okay. No crossover. I need to watch it. No crossover. Oh, okay. And I hated every character in it. <laughs> <laughs> I did, especially the, the, the TA who's like useless. Oh, you haven't seen him. Oh, he's great. He's, he's not great. Oh, I found myself like agreeing. I don't think I'm a grumpy teacher, but I found myself agreeing with like everything Martin Freeman's grumpy teacher character was doing. I'm like, absolutely, you would do that. No, he can't be doing this. Oh, it's stupid. Oh, one day we'll have a chance. Oh, my God. I got so much I could ramp, but I'll get on myself. <laughs> George, something to say. We're just on the, on the bit of the nativity scene. This always annoyed me as a child because where did he find that cloak? Yes. Yeah. I've just got and my the notes. extra stuff. I'm just saying in my notes, I, it's a great thing there was a green shroud beside all yeah. those plastic people. <laughs> just stupid. Like, it all, even as like an eight, nine-year-old child watching this, I went, but the people are plastic. They're not wearing extra clothes. I'd Where like to imagine. I thought the same thing as a child. Either A, here's two better films. Number one, Old Man Marley, you find out, is a step ahead and he's helping Kevin out all the way. 
That's cool. And he's dropping stuff off. Or option B, in the vein of a Truman show, it's just a giant re- reality show program, and there's never really in any danger. <laughs> and they're like, let's set him up with all sorts of things, and we'll act our way out of it. I like the first one, though. Oh, man, I Marley's love superhero. <laughs> I love the idea that he's just going around dropping off. He's, he's just like aware, and he's going, I'm going to do battle. this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. Everything Rather than actually bin. helping and calling the police. Yes. Like, yeah. he's just <laughs> and, and so Kevin says, when oh. they come back, I'll be ready. And this is where we get to oh, the man. Man is actually Kevin from the future. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> idea. It's like um, in, in Game of Thrones when, like, uh, what's his name without the legs can warg into everything. Oh, uh, Bran. Yeah. Yeah. And we get to the man. It's been a while since I've done a Game of Thrones reference. I've done two today now. Yeah. I've done a Tyrion Lannister and a Bran Stark. Um, is his name like Bran the Cripple King or something? Bran the Broken. Oh. Much like this <laughs> film. Uh, we get to the mannequin manipulation, and I'm okay with this ruse. If you can explain to me why there's three mannequins in the house. I think that we way. do briefly see uh, one of them in the basement, but that's that. And you can explain to me how he gets it all set up and done yeah. in the short amount I mean, of time. Kevin's creative and inventive, and okay, great. He's an engineer, he's a sociopath, he's all these things. Yeah, he's a lot of things. And I how think- long is he dancing like that for? Because he can't check. <laughs> how does he know when they've up? driven by? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You were cramped up hours ago. (laughs) Like the Michael Jordan figurine, I get, because they're in Chicago. That would make sense. Buzz might have that. Or Kevin in his room. More like Buzz. But we don't... uh, The mannequins just have the the teenage daughter. You know, oh yeah, she's in a a fabric design class or something like that. So she's working on a project. One line of dialogue and you've got them. Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh yeah, because everybody's got three... I guess if I had three stories, I'd probably run out of things to put in the rooms. Like, it could have been in the attic, just these three mannequins off to the side. Yeah. In that shot. I don't know. Mm. And so then I have a line called, that's why I hate the French, uh, which is a Rowan, <laughs> it, it's a Rowan Atkinson bit, but they're watching It's a Wonderful Life in French. And I have a wonderful life story to tell because I meant to say it in our Christmas films episode, and I never did. Go for it. So, It's a Wonderful Life. Do we know why it's considered an American classic? Is it um, because it's a story about someone's no no i think i remember you telling this isn't so when it came out it was all right but no one thought it was really great and it lost a lot of money and it was quickly forgotten other films come and go there is no home video market so no one remembers it and then a mistake is made there is a clerical error made in 1974 and they forgot to renew the copyright on it yes as a result you could show it on tv for free so then all of a sudden, it's on TV every year on every station. And so everybody, a generation of kids grow up seeing this film every year, and it creates like this American cinema classic sort yeah, of yeah, tagline. Yeah, yeah. It's not reversed until 1993, at which point then it gets the copyright reinstated by the U.S. Supreme Court. But not only do you see it for free on TV, it is used in like a thousand other movies. Loads of movies, they isn't it? always Because sh- I knew that every time a bell rings, an, an angel, angel gets, gets its, its wings. wings. That's right. That's right. That scene is in like 20 films. It's seen Gremlins as well, isn't it? I'm sure it is. Anything yeah, yeah, that was before, because yeah, yeah. after 93, you stop seeing this. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But before, it was always there. Um, the movie originally had more scenes of the Pep family in Paris, France, but the test audiences just said, we just care about Kevin. Show me Kevin. And so at this point, we really leave the family behind, and it's Kevin and it's mom. Yeah. 
uh, shrimp cocktail Uncle Frank finds and brings in, which I guess the aunt was saving for later. And there's like six pieces of shrimp for like a liter of cocktail sauce in this thing. Weird. Hey, I, Uncle Frank is so rude in this scene. He is so rude because the, like, the aunt says, so that's for later. Thing, she goes, that's for later. I was going to say, in this scene alone, he's rude in the entire film. Yeah, he's, he's awful. But at least the rest of the time, it's just like he kind of just completely says the wrong thing. Yep. Whereas this, he completely ignores the hostess saying that's for later. Do you think it's based it's on Ben like, Phillip? <laughs> and Buzz says he doesn't care about Kevin for three reasons and lists them as A, 2, and D. <laughs> he does. Yeah. We get it. Buzz is stupid. Yeah. Um, he's Kevin orders a cheese pizza, and you know what? Like I've got this little gizmo now that lets me set aside like lines and things like that. Kevin is using a VCR remote and like VHS quality <laughs> speakers. And I'm sorry, like if I walk into a room, I can tell the difference between my television and like a human voice. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, this pizza guy outside confuses the two and isn't the only one. And Kevin's able to like hit the fast forward button and perfectly set up where each line needs to yeah, be. That's difficult. It is difficult. It is. Yes. I think the pizza guy forgets because he's high. <laughs> oh, do you know what I did find out? This is about number two, though. You know the talk boy he uses? Yes. That wasn't an actual thing. Oh, was it not? No. He used it in the film as a prop made. And then, because that was so popular, they made one to actually work. But um, between 92, I believe, to about 98 or something. Okay. But they actually made an actual thing for it to, to work. Oh, so originally it didn't exist. They made it work. And yeah. then it became a product that they actually sold? Yeah. How oh, cool is that? Yeah, that's cool. I don't know why I thought that, but that's something that just I, I saw the other day. Back in Paris, mom bribes her way onto a flight and like way overpays for this flight. If I'm the old guy, I'm saying deal like way before that. Uh, back to Kevin. And she keeps going, doesn't she? She keeps going. Back yeah. to Kevin. He misses his family. Uh, and he vows to change and kisses this picture and goes back to sleep. Uh, wakes up in the morning. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. It was a cute little scene. It was. Does the aftershave and screams again. Uh, and then he decides he needs to go shopping. Now, when, when like Buzz's like money box opened up, he might have like twelve dollars that I yeah, saw. There. But not a, lot. a lot of those were ones that I saw. All oh, right, Buzz is life savings. Life savings. <laughs> Which one does Buzz seem like the kind of guy who'd actually have money? Yeah. Weed, yes. Yeah, money, yeah. no. He'd spend everything, wouldn't he? Yeah, he would. Yeah. Uh he, like he's got junior like he's got food he's not eating. I'm like, what is this? Um and so he gets go shopping, and I get that he doesn't have milk because they said drink all the milk, which you would. Yeah, I don't yeah, want yeah. it. I don't want it to go to waste. Yeah. Why have they run out of Tide? <laughs> yeah, good point. Someone was eating them. <laughs> but he's trying to show he's domestic. Beat me by right? a Kevin's second. Been, Kevin's been alone for one day and needs to do a load of laundry really badly. <laughs> At which point, there's a, gr- a great little scene between him and the woman on the till. I love this. And he goes, you yeah, know, "Are you here great. by yourself? I'm eight years old." Do you, Do you think I'd think... be here by myself? I, I don't think, think so. <laughs> and she goes, well, where's your parent? His mom's in the car. Where's dad? Dad's at work. We're brothers and sisters. I'm an only child. Where do you live? I can't tell you that. Why not? Because you're a stranger. Because you're a stranger. <laughs> That's checkmate. Yeah, yeah, Kids yeah. aren't supposed to do that. Kevin, and I think the bill comes to 1985. It's like it's just under 20 bucks. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, I love how he tries to be really grown up with his shopping as well. He's like, I'll give him a whirl. I'll give him hey, a whirl. I have a coupon, a for, coupon that. for that. A coupon for that. paper today. And then he has all these little toy soldiers. She looks at me and goes, brother kids. Kids, yeah. Love it. Yeah. 
Um, and so uh, there's a video. Uh, sorry, Kevin goes and uh, back downstairs, and he's the furnace starts to light up, and he goes, "Oh, shut up!" or something like that. And the furnace stops. And I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be this cool bit where Kevin's always being like his imagination is gonna run away from him." No, it's just gonna be the furnace, and it's gonna happen once. He's gonna get over it. Yeah. All right. Well, I remember as a kid being scared of the, of the basement. Never had one. Um, I still am. It must be basement. a North American thing for the most part. Yeah, don't have basements. Not many in this country, huh? Nope. But they really creep me out. Being scared of the basement, it's dark. Stuff could be hiding there. We have more attics. Oh, but it's not the same as going down. It's not about going down. Yeah, no, we don't do basements. Because uh, they're always dark. Even even in the, in, in the daylight, they're dark, right? I can because imagine they're quite, because um, like, it's below. They're very cool. Yeah, I was going to say. In Canada, when it got really, 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 really hot, like 36, 37, 38 degrees Celsius, I'd go sleep. We, we, we set a bed up in the basement, and I'd go sleep down there when I was on afternoon shift because I'm like, I needed to be cool and damp, and that's what yeah, it was. Yeah, and yeah, it was, yeah. it was quite, quite refreshing, actually. Oh, cool. Uh, and then Mum makes it to some place, which we find out is Scranton. Mm. The Electric City. Is it? Uh, according to the office, it is. <laughs> they come here for the electricity. And I hate it when films make me think about things I like better from other films or other texts. See, I have never watched that. But so she's desperate. The electricity. And she's begging. And then we meet Gus Polanski, played by John Candy, Candy yeah. Polka King of the Midwest. Another Canadian. Another Canadian. He played the role of Gus Polanski as a favorite of John Hughes and was paid scale. And scale was minimum wage for, for actors. Oh, wow. Yeah. As little as the Screen Actors Guild will let you work for. And it was inspired by real-life John, or Jan, Polka King Lewin, who lived in Pennsylvania and was polka band really to do tours around the world. Uh, John Candy shared all of his screen time with Catherine O'Hara as they had worked previously together on something called SCTV, Second City Television, which is like Canada's version of SNL. Yeah, 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 I was going to say a comedy thing, isn't it? They were good friends. Uh, so much so that when Candy, Candy died on um, O'Hara's 40th birthday, oh. and she gave a tearful eulogy at the funeral, um, John Candy filmed his part in one day. Oh. A 23-hour day, yeah. but one day. Uh, or as Kevin McAllister, uh, Macaulay Culkin would call it, a week's worth of work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you John Candy didn't sleep on the floor. Nope. Uh, his part was partially uh, inspired by the characters he played in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which was also written and produced by John Hughes. He Great offers man. her a place in the car. And I got my notes. Why did it mum think to try and rent a car? Yeah. Yeah. And I then looked up the amount of time it would take to drive from Scranton to oh, go Chicago. On, go on and give us- it's not bad. Ten and a half hours. Oh, that's, so that yeah, was believable, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, you, would, yeah. you would drive through the night and you would make it okay. Yeah. Yep, that's fine. Kevin cuts down a tree. And my issue with Kevin cutting down a tree is earlier he went outside and he went, oh, the Murphys aren't here. Why are they getting plumbers in? And now he goes out and the same van is right outside his front door. The same van that almost hit him earlier. Yeah. And he's oblivious to this van. Because I've been told by this movie, Kevin's a really bright kid. Kevin notices things. And then he goes and cuts down a tree, oblivious. They're like six feet away from him. When you say cut down a tree, it's off the top. It's off of the tree. It's about what? <laughs> a Kevin-sized portion of a tree. Two foot? And then when you get it inside, it's, it's, it's about like, eight foot. <laughs> that's my five foot beer. Yeah, no. Uh, the bandits see him trimming the tree. Uh, sorry, cutting down the tree. And said, he's home alone. And uh, they said they're going to come back at 9 p.m. And I'm like, why not take him now? We've established there's nobody here. No. Take him out. And why? Because we need him to set up for the third act. Yep. So, uh, Kevin then visits with Santa. Uh, I love Santa. Do you? What do you like about Santa so much? <laughs> it's just like the complete 
opposite of what you would expect Santa to be because he's smoking and yeah. swearing and getting in his, well, maybe maybe he's not swearing but like you imagine he would be there's this teen- and like getting in his old beat up car yeah. rather than his beautiful sleigh and there's this teenager who's like locking up and goes I think he's over there if you get him before his car you're okay do you think somebody was watching that and went I can make a movie out of this <laughs> what would that be bad Santa oh I haven't seen that <laughs> uh, and so he goes well no like, one comes Santa, to Santa Santa's got a little get together he's late for yeah. No one comes to. No one goes to say I'm getting. He gives like three Tic Tacs. It's like, don't <laughs> spoil your dinner. Like you take the Tic Tacs. This guy would be in Armageddon. He would be. He's the fat guy. He dies very early on, but yes. he's the fat guy in it. Yeah. The, um, the, he, he, uh, the, uh, is he like the the, the Texan? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So he's there. Damn it. Uh, and so um, I knew I the car stalls just before it leaves, and you see Santa smash the dash in frustration. Yeah, totally ad lib. The car was not supposed to stall. Oh, really? He just stayed in care. <laughs> I love it when that happens. We oh, talked about it last week with yeah, Donna yeah. Michi in the money clip. It's great. So I thought that was quite good. Um, no presents though. Kevin just wants his family back and tells Santa, who's like, uh. <laughs> and he goes, "If you have time, you can bring back Uncle Frank." And I'm like, "Why isn't?" Why isn't Gus the one? Is it Gus? Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah, why isn't Gus the one you want to see held back? Because Uncle Frank's in your life like two days a year. Gus gives him hell every day. Oh, and no, Buzz, isn't it? Buzz, that's it, Buzz. not Gus. Yeah. Why, why, like, who, who is Gus? Why isn't Buzz? Why isn't Buzz? Buzz? I knew it was wrong. from Cinderella. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Why isn't Buzz the one that you want to see? I, I'd get rid of Buzz. Yeah. Kevin walks home and sees happy families in every window and people coming to visit people and all I can think of is household bubbles over the Christmas break. Yeah. For 2020. <laughs> they must be they must they must all be in tier 1. <laughs> <laughs> and then so Kevin goes to church. Uh, and there's the old man's up at church and approaches Kevin and finally talks and says, "Look at the little red-headed girl," which is a second Charlie Brown reference we had in this film. Uh, and says, "Have you been good, Kevin?" Kevin's like, "Yeah, really?" No, no. I, haven't, I haven't been good. And I'm like, well, at least he's self-aware. Uh, Marley then says that uh, he told his son that uh, he didn't want to see him again, and his son told him vice versa. And uh, kind of similar to what the, the mom's problem is with Kevin in this film. We don't want to see each other. Only in this case, it's more metaphorical than literal. Yeah. Uh, Kevin tells him to phone his son. He goes, maybe. At which point then we go, so Marley's phone works. If he can phone his son, his phone works. Uh, but church bells tell Kevin he is an hour. And why doesn't Kevin ask for Marley's help here? And I also call bullshit on him setting everything up in an hour. Everything say what? End, setting everything up in an hour. Yeah. The no end way. of this film winds me all the way up. Because one, as soon as they're starting to burgle you, before they know that you've set a load of stuff up, call the police then. Is he in Marley's house at the end when they get arrested no 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 not marley's he's in the murphy house they're gone back because they they didn't rob marley marley's home i've never understood that but but marley comes in through that door and whacks them with the thing doesn't he like i said he's he's going around the whole movie just setting things up yeah (laughs) i i just don't understand it i wish there was Um, more explanation for the logistics of this ending it doesn't make any sense yeah go ahead ellie he goes into the Murphy house because he's saying that they've been burgled and I think he doesn't want them to see what he's done to his own house. So he wants to go where there's already all the flood damage and the burglary that's obviously happened and like set it up there for the police to arrest him. So the poli- he calls the police to the Murphy house. I think from he's his stalling. House, yeah, he's trying to get him in the place where the cops will come because he says, but we'll get to that. Uh, okay. okay, I've never picked that up before. 
Do you remember how Christopher Columbus said it was one of the best scripts he ever saw? Yeah. Maybe because he did an uncredited rewrite of the script, uh. which included the character of Old Man Marley. The original, the original film did not have Marley's character in it. Oh, wow. Which is a very different film. Yeah, I hope to have in a minute. I think this was a much better film for the inclusion of this character. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it was done to give the story a more serious layer and add a more emotional ending, and absolutely it is. Mm. Kevin says yeah. to himself, not to us, because he doesn't look at us, this is my home. I have to defend it. And so that means draw a map. And Macaulay Culkin actually <laughs> drew the map. Yeah, but, yeah. I like the fact that he did that, but... I think that would take him more than an hour to do, draw that. Oh, more than an hour to do a lot of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. There's a visual overture. Uh, it must take a... And you might think to yourself, oh, surely it would take a lot of time to do that. And it turns out, nope, super easy. Barely an inconvenience. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He's, in fact, he's got so much leftover time, he makes himself a mac and cheese, pours himself a glass of milk in a fancy goblet, and lights two candles and sits in the dining room that we didn't see the whole film. Yep. But doesn't eat because of then then the clock <laughs> at that point is like nine. oh it's nine o'clock and these are on the, the most door. prompt oh, get these it. are the most prompt you gotta respect that the yeah, wet yeah, bandits yeah. when they say nine they mean nine yep definitely <laughs> well he's got the the windows down to a split second so I'm guessing timing's very important to Harry. <laughs> And this is the final fight, and there's a lot to talk about. The crew had limited time to film the nighttime scene since Culkin couldn't work any later than 10 p.m. and could only work five hours a day. Uh, so we start with a BB gun in the nuts of Harry, and then Marv goes in, and he goes to... Um, Grab the handle? He goes to put uh, to look through the, the, the doggy door. Oh, yes. And there's a focus pull from Kevin's face to the gun, and he shoots him in the head. And it's at this point I've realized I forgot to talk about the second time we had the uh, keep the change, a filthy animal scene. Yes. Which is where Marv goes to put his foot in and his shoe drops. It does. And that's is when he goes, shit. <laughs> yeah. And that's the only swear word that made it in the movie. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I've never noticed that. That was the yeah. I never know. I read it and then I went no, and I watched it again a second time to get ready. And I was like, oh, what is there? Yeah, yeah. I clearly just have too much of a potty mouth. But I don't even notice when it happens. And, and that was a side plot where they hear the thing and they're convinced there's two mobsters there and they said, well, well, let's wait them out. And this is where they discover Kevin cutting down the tree. Yeah, I don't yes, understand yes, yes, yes. why the second time Kevin does this thing with the the VHS, he needs to use extra sound effects from the firecrackers but the first time he just plays the video Oh, I respect this a bit more because it actually gives you a sense of proximity Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I, I, that explains why, when, uh, why he has to feel he couldn't do it Maybe it's because of its emergency, because he does say earlier I'll save these for later So we all go, oh, there's going to be <laughs> firecrackers does. later Georgia I do really appreciate that they're, like we were talking about the little details and things and how they work things out for this and then some things they completely ignore but there is a line right at the beginning of the film where mum says we've put the dog in the kennel which oh that's good why there There's is a dog, dog door. door nice yeah yeah well done like, one of the few things i thought so about good. columbus said every time a stunt guys did one of those stunts it wasn't funny we'd watch it and i would just pray the guys were alive and, the and stunt, you can understand that the stuntmen deserve a giant round of applause as do Harry and Marv, Joe Pesci and, yeah. Martin, and Daniel Stern, because their physical acting is great in this. Um, but let's go over the sociopath that Kevin McAllister is. So he pours water on the steps to give them icy steps. Both these men would have broken ankles without question or broken something as they fell. Of course. Uh, the basement is unlocked. Marv comes in, pulls on a light switch, but it's not really a light switch. It actually drops an iron from about 20 feet in the air and hits him in the head. That's at the minimum a concussion, if not a caved-in skull. Yep. 
Um, well, that's where it gets cartoony now, isn't it? Yes. There's a heated, which I'm going to have an issue with in a minute, so stay with me on this. Oh, okay. There's a heated doorknob, which then turns into a monogram on the hand of Harry. Now, thank God they must have, like, pure gold, like, doorknobs, because if yeah. it was, like, a regular doorknob, the thing would have melted. melted. Yeah. But thank God for this. Like, Kevin would have burnt the house down setting this up. <laughs> um, we get some hint earlier, but he makes things out of, like, fish hooks. And yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, there are new ones. But, okay, he's crafty, but we have no idea he's this. Um, and so that's monogrammed. Uh, there's tar on the stairs. So Marv has to take his shoes and then his socks on. And then there's a nail through the foot, which this would anticipate. physically recoil. Which would then create the idea that you had to know if it was going to be his left foot or his right foot, which would land on it. So you're put in the middle, you're probably going to miss both of them. Yeah. Um, they don't show us that, but it made you physically recoil. Uh, I didn't really mind it that much. Um, I think they nailed it. This. <laughs> Harry comes through the back door and gets a blowtorch in the head. And here's my question. What if Marv had been the one to walk through the door? Ooh. That's a blowtorch in the face. That is, isn't it? Like, there's a lot of these things that was like, this doesn't work if it's the other guy. Or, no. if it, it, or it kills them. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah, kills yeah. them, kills them. Like, if this actually happened to Harry, it would melt away the skin and a lot of the bone tissue. Like, this would have been, like, severe issues. Proper. I can't remember something that said it wasn't his real head that was on fire. I'm like, you think? Yeah. <laughs> Equally, though, he does stand in it for a long time. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know it's, there's shock, it's but it's he a cartoon, stood there it? for a few seconds. Now, here's yeah. the deal. I, can, I understand this is an escapist child fantasy. The little kid who overcomes all the realms and takes out the, the things and protects his house and does all through cartoony violence. I understand that, but I've still got some issues with it, which we'll talk about oh, okay. furthermore. Um. And so then he barges in. On the second attempt, he barges in, though, because he puts his head out in the... in the No, it was his hand he puts out in the snow. What does he do with his head? Does he, just, he does. He goes head first. Oh, head first it. as well? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> and they're now yelling at each other about where they're going. Earlier, they were scared to be seen in the empty neighborhood. Now they're just shouting across at each other. Yeah. They glue and feather Harry, and he, like, wipes, like, the... You can see he's trying to help the stunt by yeah. wiping it into his face. Yeah, you can. Because if I walked in, something, I would like pull it away, but he like pulls it, rubs it down his face. Yeah. So that like the feathers go ahead and hit it. And there's a great bit shortly after where finally they both get in the house. And Marv says, Harry says to Marv, why do you take your shoes off? And Marv says to Harry, why are you dressed like a chicken? Yeah. <laughs> and that was ad-libbed. Was it? Yeah, it was ad-libbed. It's, oh, really? it's a nice little ad-lib. Uh, there's ornaments on the floor. Uh, which, which you'd have seen. Which are really, yeah, and they're really made of, ca- they're not really glass, they're made of candy, but it was very diehard, and he had rubber feet on. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, you'd have to know, but it was the barefoot guy coming through the window. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, which felt a little bit too. Micro machines on the floor, which I, because that was a kid believable thing. I'll leave my micro machines there. We saw it earlier. There was a warning. I felt yeah, that one was good. Yeah, a warning. That one goes back as well, because you're blah, 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 almost yeah. tripped and fell her neck on them. Yeah. So he goes, okay, I'll put them And that's them believable. Like, kid, yeah, like, yeah. It's not like he's putting tar or like ice in the steps. No, I'll just no, leave no. micro machines out. Yeah. We get the, are you guys give up or are you thirsty for, for more ad lib? Was it? Yeah. That's good. Well done, him. Yeah. The it's paint, iconic. The paint, speaking of iconic, the paint cans in the face. Yes. Again, specific heights. So thank, yeah, yeah, thank yeah. God it was uh, Marv going up first or else it would have gone right over <laughs> Harry's head. <laughs> Um, and this knocks out the gold tooth of Harry. There's a tripwire, and even stops to like play with it so that the audience knows it's a tripwire. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. like, Kev, just go. Yeah, yeah. Don't do this. He's not thinking this part through really, I got the feeling. He's the roadrunner, isn't he? He then calls 911. So at this point, the phone works. Yeah. 
Well, we know the phone will work because the answer machines are working. Well, no, because we just they, find that it, it, it seems like the McAllister house is different. Well, it's next door, though, isn't it? So but surely it would. Surely at some yet. point, someone would start phoning the house again. You yeah. wouldn't go, well, we tried. <laughs> Let's not phone Two days later, we're still no, not going to phone. You'd be calling on the hour, surely. Yeah, yeah, this bit is all still in the McAllister house, Georgia. So this is where the phone lines are supposed to be down. Because the air- yeah, I know, but if if the phone lines were down for one house, they'd be down for the entire street, surely. Well, I don't. Well, they, they couldn't not. get to them. They said we can't get to it. So at no point did we see that happening. Uh, I hear you. I hear you. But if if we just take me with the consistency of the individual universe of of, of the film mm-hmm. and go, the house we were told does not work. The phones aren't working. At some point, it does work, and yet no one's calling. And the yeah. only phone call Kevin makes is to say they're going to the Murphy house. I've been burgled. Marv gets him. And this sets up a bit where the two of them grab him. Uh, oh, no, that's later. Sorry, I'll come back to that. And so they're about to sort of take him. And thankfully, this is where Tarantula X Machina occurs. Mm-hmm. And there's a high-pitched scream from um, Marv. Marv towards the spider. And this actually uh, occurred. Uh, he, after being told that tarantulas don't have ears... Because for some reason, Daniel Stern was really concerned that he would hurt the, the, the hearing of the tarantula. And then he actually did the scream on set. It wasn't an overdub. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Um, so he's, I wouldn't like to have a spot on my face, though. Kevin ziplines to the treehouse. Uh, and then we get my favorite line of the entire film. <laughs> which was what? When Harry and Marv look over. Oh, this is great. And Harry just goes, where do you go? Maybe he committed suicide. Also, <laughs> also an ad lib. Was it? Yeah, because you're not going to write suicide so in the kids' movie, are you? Oh film. no, of course not. Yeah. So this is Daniel Stern going. You won't let me swear. Let me see what I can get in. Oh yeah. It's so out of place, and I love Spe- it so speaking. much because it caught me off guard. And I had to rewind to make sure I didn't just like mishear that. Speaking of out of place, um, the treehouse was built specifically for the movie. It was oh. built and then torn down afterwards. Shame. Yeah. Um, Marv, uh, before he does the line that uh, Ethan's talking about, Marv sees the spider on Harry's chest, grabs the crowbar, and I'm going to hit you with, like, this caves in your ribs. Of course it does. Break like, ribs. You are the done. Place. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Harry grabs it and doesn't do his arm. So we have a broken arm and, like, a broken sternum or broken ribs or something. Uh, they slowly then go down the rope because the kid wants us to go back down through the house bandage on the hand and i'm going respect you're at least appreciating the fact that you have at least one of the injuries seems to have the only injury he has that has effect for either of them is is the hand yeah but he can still put weight on it if you just put a bandage on it because that's how i burned my finger heating up indian food last week <laughs> and it still hurts <laughs> it a does, week later that does, doesn't it? it does um and so uh kevin cuts the rope they smash into the wall even wily e. coyote is going come on guys respect the environment just a bit it is very wily coyote. Come back, yeah. I mean, roadrunner, isn't it? Me, me. Yeah. Kevin is the roadrunner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kevin runs away, and he's caught in the laziest way. He goes into the Murphy house and says, "Come on, follow me." And they go, "That's just what he wants us to do." Which up until this point, Kevin's been ahead of the curve every. And they're, just, he's, they're upstairs. Yeah. And they grab him and they put him up on this hook and they start saying all the things they're going to do to him, which includes biting his fingers off. <laughs> uh According to BuzzFeed, an injury occurred between Pesci and Culkin in rehearsals for this scene where Harry tries to bite off Kevin's finger. Culkin still has a scar. 
Wow. So when you see him going, oh, Max, like, in many ways, he's not a kid. He's like a grown-up. It's like, someone sounds a bit guilty, Joe Pesci. Oh, yeah. Oscar winner Joe Pesci bites off child's finger. Yeah, we'll see. Waiting. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not like the Culkin parents were afraid to sue each other. No, no, oh, right? that was a ve- I don't know if you guys are aware of this. Like, the Culkin parents, like, famously, like, sued over his money. Yeah. And his yeah, new lawn now, isn't it? Because of that. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Um, stunts. Uh, sorry, my bad. Uh, let's get back to this here. Uh, oh, and just as they're saying this, there is the approach. We see the boots, and he walks up, and we have a shovel ex machina. Let me walk you through what we've seen happen so far. We have seen him get hit in the head with paint cans and irons, knocked down stairs, <laughs> into brick walls. Trot on nails. Trot on nails. Blood hand torch. burnt. Head burnt, broken ankles on the ice. But an old man hitting you in the head with a shovel knocks you down for the count. Yeah, that's the last straw of the back, isn't it? <laughs> it was like their video game characters, and they had one hit point left, yeah. and this just did the <laughs> Wasted. <laughs> back uh, to the beginning. I sort of, so, and at which point Marley goes, let's get you home. A couple of thoughts. Number one, why does he not stay with them? Or protect him, or realize he's home alone. No. Number two, how does Marley not die trying to get Kevin up the stairs? <laughs> Good point. Uh, the cops show up, and Kevin is left home alone by Marley. Like, the whole next day. Yeah, you wouldn't do He that. doesn't say, hey, can I see your, yeah, your son's been involved in this thing. I want to make sure he's, uh, he's just like, okay, bye, Kevin. Yeah. Um, the cops show up, uh, and they, they say to the bandits, we can see which houses you've hit because you left the tops on. Uh, and that's more or less the end of our stunt sequence. So the stunts were originally prepared with safety harnesses, but because of their visibility on camera, they had to be done without them. And Christopher Columbus said his least favorite booby trap is Harry getting doused with feathers because it felt like a letdown after the previous ones. Oh, okay. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. I would totally agree with that. Uh, and um, anything else I've missed here? Oh, Christopher Columbus wanted the booby trap with Marv getting hit in the face of a household object sent down the laundry chute, but couldn't think of one to use, so his brother-in-law suggested the clothes iron. So after the fight, Kevin waves to them through the window, and this becomes the window where Kevin makes eye contact and waves. Yeah, he does. Every time he needs something, he's in this window. Yeah. Uh, Kevin then leaves milk and cookies for Santa. And it's like, he must have cleaned up the house because, like, everything's pristine. Yeah. He's even, like, like adjusting, like, so if you think about, like, the tar he would have to clean up. Yeah. The nail he would have to take out. The blowtorch. How there's no scorch marks anywhere is beyond me. Like, all these clean up, all the micro machines, clean up. The cleanup job, like, thankfully, we know that Kevin can set this all up in an hour. So maybe in two hours he tore it all down. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Also, all of the blood that everywhere oh that's a good point but he misses one important thing that we'll talk about later the tooth will set you free yeah um back in the van (laughs) there we go (laughs) that was awful back in the van like um moira rose is saying that she's a bad parent and i'm going yep i'm a bad parent i'm like yep 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 (laughs) i agree with you and then gus then talks about like he once left this kid with a corpse and like a funeral home it's all improv. That's so good. Basically, John Candy was told, here's where the scene needs to go. Do whatever you want. And so the first time I missed it, because I was busy watching the film yeah, yeah, yeah. and trying to write in the dark, it, at majestic right. in my yeah, notes. Yeah. The second time, I was just able to watch. If you watch Catherine O'Hara's face during this scene, she's just trying not to break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like, it's like forcing back a smile. <laughs> <laughs> well done. And, and he's so deadpan. They basically just went, just do whatever you want. That's brilliant. And we'll just put the best bits together. 
maybe it was like a four-hour thing that took 23 hours because he kept doing these crazy stunts. <laughs> um, Brilliant. And so uh, it's Christmas morning, and Kevin wakes up, and it's snowing, and the theme is playing, and he expects to see mom, and there's no mom. And the saddest part for me wasn't no mom. You know what the saddest part for me was? Go on. No milk and cookies eaten. The milk and cookies are still there. Oh. <laughs> Kevin just outed Santa to himself. <laughs> Uh, the budget truck shows up. Mom sees the decorations, and I guess we get that she cleaned everything else. How about it's the most unbelievable part of the film? I guess he must have salted the icy steps. I thought it would have been great if Mom dies here. Wow! <laughs> 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 Just goes, Kevin, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then like he sees her, and all movie long we've been told all he wants is his family back. All he wants is his family back. He's so upset, and then there's this eye contact, and she goes. Merry Christmas, sweetie. And he like looks at her from afar with this like, I don't trust you look. Yeah. And then she goes, I'm so sorry. And then he bursts into a smile and runs and hugs her. You'd have gone straight away. And I'm like, you little shit. Yeah. All movie long, you, you lied to oh, me. You told me you just wanted your parents back. Yeah. And that you realized you're a bad kid. And then you like manipulated your power in this situation. Mm. Oh. Oh, it's lovely. I completely disagree with that. No, have him go Merry Christmas. You go, Merry Christmas, Mom. And she goes, I'm so sorry. And then he can run and hug. Why yeah. does he have to give her the stone face? Yeah, I, I agree That's with manipulative. That. That, yeah. Ethan, Next you're cold time. inside. What do you think? <laughs> um, wait, why am I cold inside? <laughs> Since when have I been cold inside? I just was hoping, I was hoping for some. Who? I was hoping for some backup. That's all. <laughs> Oh, no, I agree agree with you. Sorry, Ellie. So, uh, in comes everybody else. Um, Buzz says it's pretty cool he didn't burn the place down. He came pretty close to the blowtorch. They came home on the morning flight. So, again, I went ahead and said, well, what would that look like? Let's say it's a 9 a.m. flight. It gets them back into Chicago at 11.15 a.m. local time. So, I'm okay with this. It could have been a 7 a.m. flight. Like, the timeline works out for that one. Yeah. Yeah. and they go, you went shopping? What else did you do? And he goes, just hung around. <laughs> that was supposed to be the end of the film. Was it? They were in a freeze frame on that. And it's like this wah, wah kind of joke. Oh, okay. I'm so glad they didn't do that. Yeah, me too. Well, so I don't like the line the either. Of- Sorry, go ahead, Ellie. Was that supposed to be the end of the film after they'd already written in Old Man Marley? Or was that when he was still wasn't the character? I couldn't really find that out. I imagine that's the original first, first, first ending. But I, think that, I don't think they really figured out I think it was in stages. I don't think they really figured out what to do with Marley at that point yet either. Because mm. that's what they wanted to leave it. And they, they do get back to the idea of leaving it on a joke. And it's a joke that's really easy to write in. We'll talk about it in a second. Okay. Uh, there is a shot from Kevin, and he is like 30 feet away from this window. You know, the window where you can make eye contact because it's the magical window. Yeah. And he's 30 feet away from it. But yet he like looks confused, like he can see something. And as he approaches, we can see in the distance, Marley is like embracing his son and took Kevin's advice. And he goes to the window and he waves. That's what you do with that window. And so John Hughes and Chris Columbus decided to end the movie this way uh, because it would give it an emotional and moving, upbeat, happy ending to let the audience know that Marley took his advice. And then we hear, Kevin! What did you do to my room? That's brilliant because everything's been inferential. We assume Kevin cleaned everything up. It looks like it. Now, the question, why wouldn't you clean up the room? Because maybe at that point, the movie didn't need you to not clean up the room. Right, exactly. So it's all right. So he probably can't fix the shelves. 
Like, there's so much in eight. Okay, you so can tidy it's, stuff up. Yeah, okay. That's, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Because nothing else seems to get broken in the house. No. So, tidbits, uh, just a couple things. The movie's considered a traditional uh, Christmas movie in Poland. I think most places. It's aired on national television during primetime Christmas season every year. Uh, in 2011, it was over 5 million people, making it the most popular show aired during the Christmas season in Poland. That's 21 years after release. Wow. And a little tidbit, despite being home alone, Kevin is never seen in his own room. Yes. We always see him in his mum's room and yeah. occasionally in buzzes. Strange. Yep. Uh, let's talk about the money. Go Remember on. that 18 million budget that Warner Brothers was like, you're not going above 10? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much do you think it made? Oh, that was huge. What was that last? What was Trading Places? Trading Places was around 93 million, I want to say. That was bigger than that. 300 million. 300 million. Oh, I've gone too high. I'm going to go Ethan. low, low, low. No, 300, 300. <laughs> Ethan. I'm going to go higher. I'm thinking 600. 600? Woo! What, in 1990? Really? Okay. Georgia. I thought I was high. I was just going to go like 170, something quite good, but and, not horrendous. And Ellie. <laughs> 350. 350? $476.7 million. Wow. wow. It was the record for the highest grossing live action comedy ever until the comedic masterpiece known as The Hangover Part 2 broke the record. What? Yeah, no. Uh, Home Alone proved so popular it stayed in theaters well past the Christmas season. It was the number one film at the box office for 12 straight weeks. Wow. Uh, and then it still remained a top 10 draw until April 26th. Now, it was released in November and was a top 10 film until April 26th. Wow. And it still appeared in the top 10 the weekend of June 2nd and the weekend of June 16th before it finally fell out of the top 10. This is why I think I chose Uncle Ra- uh, King Ralph. I think I was way after Christmas because people went and saw this film multiple oh, times. okay, yeah. Yeah. So uh, by the time it finished its course, it was the third highest grossing film of all time worldwide, uh, only behind Star Wars and E.T., at the time. <laughs> so, uh, on home video, it sold 11 million copies, which made it another 150 million. Uh, made it, at that time, the highest selling video of all time at that point, although some reports have E.T. slightly higher, but it's one or the other. Uh, as a result, the film didn't do well with the rental market. That would make sense, because yeah. if you bought it, you wouldn't rent it. No. Uh, Does the extra 150 million technically bump it up to 600, then? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> uh, in 1989, uh, the, sorry, there was a French film called 3615 Code Père Noël about a young boy who was home alone with his elderly grandfather and asked to fend off a home invader dressed up as Santa Claus, which has been noted for its plot similarities to Home Alone. Uh, the director threatened the producers of Home Alone with legal action, but it was not released in the U.S. during its original theatrical run and didn't become widely available in the United States until 2018. So take that for what you will. Yeah, uh, They're talking about a remake. Uh, to reboot the franchise on Disney Plus's streaming service, starring Archie Yates, Ellie Kemper, and Rob Delaney. Uh, Yates will not play Kevin, and the movie will have a new story which sees Kemper and Delaney play a wife and husband who, in order to save their home from financial ruin, go to war with a kid who has stolen a priceless heirloom. So, in other words, it sounds nothing like Home Alone. Sounds like Dennis the Menace. So it's reverse Home Alone. Yes, it is. 
backwards home alone. Filming began like in RGH, February. But I have no faith. In I, I like Ellie Kemper, but filming began in February 2020 in Montreal, Canada, but was suspended on March 13th due to COVID. And then on a better remake in December 2018, Macaulay Culkin reprised his role as an adult Kevin McAllister in a 60 second commercial for the Google Assistant with shot for shot remakes from the film as it helps Kevin set up the house to look active by remotely turning on lights and setting up cutouts of people in order to have the thieves parked outside of a van, presumably Harry and Marv, steer clear of the house. And Joe Pesci did do a voiceover for this as well to that's help cool. it off. So that's not too bad. <clears throat> so I did I did send to the group as well a very funny COVID appropriate picture of Macaulay Culkin from his um Twitter, which is him with a mask on, but the mask is like the like the picture of young him with his hands on his face, like with the with the scream. And he's just captioned it with like something like nothing like wearing the flayed skin of your younger self to protect you from COVID. Like it is, oh, it's very funny. That's dark. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Well, it's just now time for. We're in the end game now. Yes, we are in the end game now. <laughs> I love it. I'm taking advantage of all my new ticks and tricks. Up. Absolutely. Uh, who's, I mean, whose story is this? It's obvious whose story this is, isn't it? Yeah. It's Kevin, right? It's Molly. John Candy. <laughs> it's the mothers. Gus, the poker king. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, it's Kevin's. Yeah, uh, the pizza boy. You could, I mean, you could, you could make an argument, and I'd listen to you. It's the mum's story. Yeah, but but it's not. It's not. It's, it's not. I mean, mum has yeah. no idea what he's done. That's part of the joy. Is the yeah. dramatic irony? We know that he defended it against robbers. Yeah. Uh, I, I I think old man Marley should probably report the parents for leaving the kid behind. <laughs> but then he leaves him behind. Well, he's not his legal guardian. No, I know, but you know. He saved. I can get away. With, I, I did save his life from two robbers, officer. Surely the police would have to figure it out as part of the police yeah. report, wouldn't they? Yeah. They wouldn't just leave him, would they? Marley's like, oh no, there was no one here. I, uh, <laughs> I just saw them. I mean, what reason do you have to lie if you're Marley? There's yeah. none. No. Anyway, um, we talked about that. Uh, what's who's the best character in the film? Hmm. I'd like to reply with John Candy again. Okay, uh, Liam. I do like John Candy in this. Yeah, John Candy. He's he's easy cameo to go to, though, isn't he? He is. Um, he's got a really John Candy has a real likable quality around him. And actually, we need. Actually, I'm going to argue that that's important because I think his likability rubs off on her, and she gets up in our eyes because we like Candy, and because Candy approves her, we approve her. Because yeah. he forgives her, we forgive her. Old man Marley. Old man Marley. Yeah. Okay. Only because um, Kevin says something to him to get him to do something profound in his life yeah and that's nice it kind of reverses the whole sort of adult kid advice yeah, thing yeah, too yeah, yeah. no it's a nice and it's a nice performance yeah brilliant i like it uh georgia i like old man marley yeah old man marley? my favorite okay yeah. ellie i mean i guess old man marley as well but i do love kevin wow okay liam we haven't done this in a couple of weeks yeah. can you guess mine i'm going to say Harry. You're 100% right. It's Harry. Yeah. <laughs> well done. I'm really impressed because I purposely tried to hold back my appreciation. I think Pesci's great in this. He is good. He is the first character we see of any note. Yeah. And I think he carries a lot of the stakes and the weight. I think as a kid, I really liked Daniel Stern of the two of them. But Daniel and in Stern's this one, the, um, he's the full guy, really, isn't he? He's just silly. Yeah. He gets the punchlines, but uh, Harry, I think, has the weight and he's, he's, un- he's the bad guy. 
but I still find him a little bit charming. Yeah. And it used to be someone you're okay with seeing get beat up and come back for more. And that's the hard part. You see these guys get properly abused, and it can be really easy to turn on that after a while yeah. and go, no, 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 I think enough's enough, Kevin. I think you're a sociopath, and this is this is terrible. But actually, you're kind of okay with all the violence because Harry does a, a really good job with that. Yeah. So well done, Mr. Pesci. Uh, you were not a clown, but you still made me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> So um, here's a question: favorite stunt, favorite favorite trap, favorite and favorite can mean favorite can mean the one that made you go like ooh. The one that made me go ooh was the slip on the ice and land on the shoulders. Okay, because they did that. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. You he- know, when when you look at it from a stunt point of view, you yeah. think oh, that's yeah. gotta hurt. Ethan, I really like the flamethrower scene just because the amount of like timing and planning that goes into that and also pesci's face is just genuine fear yeah yeah it's good uh georgia um i like i always appreciated the like stepping onto the baubles because like glass baubles are horrendous and it just reminded me of standing on lego <sighs> just reminded so me I of die like hard that. a better film again <laughs> yeah, i like it when too. films remind me of better films True. But there you go. Ellie? I'm finding it really difficult to choose. Um, probably the bit where they go across to the treehouse, just because it's so ridiculous. Okay. Like, the fact that they kind of try to shimmy along and use their upper body strength to cl- like crawl across this um, this rope before Macaulay Culkin cuts it. I'm going to go lowbrow, or not lowbrow, but low, low-fi. I'm going to say paint cans in the face. Oh yeah, I have paint cans in the face. Dude, does what it says in the tin. Yeah, it does. Quite, quite, quite literally. I can imagine what a paint can in the face might feel like. It's a projectile. It's not a rope. You'd have no teeth left, would you? No, but it was like ooh, like that would, that would ooh, that would yeah, hurt. Yeah. Well, he does lose a tooth. Yeah, but I mean, you yeah. can, you'd lose your nose as well. You'd lose a bunch, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're, you're well, not getting up. We didn't mention the bit at the end where Mr. McAllister, Mr. McAllister picks up the gold tooth. Picks up the gold tooth. Honey, what's this? Yeah, he cleared which, up everything else. Which is actually interesting. And left that because that's yeah. the that's the same place that Pesci starts the film. Yeah. Is on that landing when the tooth is gleaming to us there. So, yeah, yeah that's an interesting kind of pickup. Um, so best moment, best element, best scene, whatever you want to do. Uh, believe it or not, my favorite scene is the end scene where he looks out the window. It's a very no, it's a well, it's a well done scene. I just think it's very cleverly shot. No dialogue. No. And it's just the like, music's uh, very uh, important to that. And like you say, it's that bit with Buzz when he shouts down, "Kevin, what are you doing in my room?" And we just have the face, and that's it. We we got a credit. So yeah, it's well done. Yeah, I thought I thought it's not. It's nice. It's a film that could be hard to figure out where do you leave it. I think I think it shows it the per- the perfect place to get out of Dodge on. Yeah, Ethan. It's the maybe he committed suicide bit because every time I laugh during this film is when Harry and Marv say something which they shouldn't say in this film. And it's so out of place in, like, the funniest way. Fair enough. Georgia. I, my favorite. Is this element or favorite scene? I can't remember what you It's said. always the choice of either one. Okay, so definitely the music. Okay. Yeah, I really appreciate the scoring in this. Okay. Uh, Ellie. I um, totally agree with Liam, but from the whole bit when mum comes home, so um, seeing seeing mum and that reunion and then seeing the reunion of old man Marley and his family, it makes me cry my eyes out every time I watch it. Okay. Uh, I will throw my two cents behind. Uh, 
uh, George said the score, so I'll let, let Stan for what it is. My favorite scene for what it was, grocery store shopping. Yeah, that was That little second. scene she, he's got with the <laughs> yeah. woman behind the tail. Because she's the only person who legitimately goes, should you be doing this by yourself? But not only that, did you notice how he answers her? Oh, it's yeah. like in Uncle Buck when he's got the gun at the letterbox yeah. and he's asking all the questions. That was the inspiration for the whole movie was, 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 was that sequence. Oh, was yeah, it? Yeah, that's why they thought he could go ahead and do this movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because so, that's kind of similar. It is. It is, that whole sort of th- shtick. But they knew he could do it because he'd done that before. Oh, okay. But I really liked it. Yeah, and I, really I thought, I thought the woman played her part really, as a straight very man, well. I thought she played it very well. Yeah. Um, a grumble about this film. A grumble, a grumble, a grumble. Uh, you. Me? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> My rating seems to have gone down listening to your oh, grumbles. Oh, <laughs> sorry, buddy. Sorry. Because I'm going, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a bit of kid escapism. I can get my head around that. Yeah, I know. yeah. But uh, we're comparing it against like the Dark Knight and like eventually things like three billboards. I mean, we just got to you know. I guess my grumble would be the fact is they're not getting really, really hurt. Yeah, that's made cartoony. So you're having real life elements mixed with cartoony, vulgar. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh. <sighs> I don't know. Hyperviolence? Yeah, like hyperviolence. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Normally, um, when you see that sort of violence, you see the devastation of it. You don't. Yeah, I'll give you this. Because in a cartoon, we're smart enough to go, those are animated characters. They can fall down a hole and then come yeah. back up. Or, you know, the different rules apply to animation. But when it's human beings, that's a different sort of message. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I'm looking at it going, well, that wouldn't have happened. You know, that would have hurt more. Yep. That would have killed you. Yep. You know? <laughs> So yeah, that really. Okay. Uh, Ethan. I hate every single member of the McAllisters. Yeah. I don't know if it's just a me thing, but the McAllisters represent this absolute innate hatred I have because they're so, they're so privileged in a way that they're so ignorant. And I know it's supposed to be funny, but they're so exhausting this entire film. Yeah. And... I know this is just Home Alone 1, but it's further proved than Home Alone 2. But they all suck. Uncle Frank is just the biggest tool ever. And I hate everything about his character. But it makes me hate the rest of the family because they're all like that throughout the film. Uh, Georgia. Um, I pretty much agree with Ethan. I think this film would be a lot better if the characters were even slightly likable like the family yeah like because i just don't like them i don't like kevin i don't like the parents i don't really care that they left him behind because he's not a very nice child like i just yeah it it could have been better okay ellie um similar really they're they're really terrible parents and it's more the idea of how unbelievable it is that they would actually leave him home alone in the first place and I know it's what gives us the whole premise for the film, and I love the film, so, you know, I can't hate on it too much. But they, every time I watch it, I'm just like, oh, my God, how did you deserve to become parents? This is ridiculous. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say for mine is um, I, it's, it's, it's childlike fantasy escapism, but my issue with it is a childlike fantasy escapism. It's the idea that it's the eight-year-old, and every adult he meets is incompetent, and we are shown it not only through his uh, reactions to people, but also the people that we see off-camera. So the staff at the, uh, at the airline, we see it with... Um, 
the woman at the grocery store. We see it with the policeman and various ilks. Um, all these things by which, you know, Kevin is proved to be superior and does it through, again, hyper-violent, ridiculous, and, and he's disrespectful. And yet, I've started kissing a photograph and going, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Mom, please come back. We're never actually shown that he actually learns, but the fact that he's just really rude to people. Like, Kevin's not a the good member of the McAllisters. Kevin's just as much a jerk as the rest of them, yeah. if not more. And so uh, I kind of go... I, it's hard when you don't care about the lead character. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I kind of just wanted the wet bandits to go ahead and rob the house and just get out of there. <laughs> don't kill anybody, but just go go ahead. These, yeah. This family could be used to take down a notch. Liam. My other grumble is the fact that he gives himself an hour <laughs> <laughs> and he sets up all them devices. An eight-year-old kid would yep, not, not be wrong. able to do that. If he had started like in the morning, I'd have believed it a bit more. But like an hour, nah. You're not wrong. Uh, it's that time. Age game, age game. Let's all play the age game. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. Ellie, over to you. Okay, I've got a lot, so quick fire, okay? Oh, very quick fire, all right. Macaulay Culkin, Liam. Uh, ten. Ian. Nine. Georgia. Eight. Ethan. Eleven. He's ten. Woo! There you go. Told you, same age as me. <laughs> uh, Mrs. McAllister. Ooh. Catherine O'Hara. 37. 38. 33. 39. 36. Oh, that's close. Liam again, yeah, well yeah. done. Mr. McAllister. For John Hurd. 43. 41. 45. 44. It is 44. Well done, Ethan. Ooh. Wow. I'm small. Uh, I just know that because he's really old in Sharknado. Uh-huh. <laughs> old Man Marley. Old Man Marley. Wouldn't it be ironic if he was like 30? So yeah, 64. <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm going to go 68. I'm going to go a little bit higher. Okay. 72. 67. 66. Wow. <laughs> Harry. Harry. 53. 50. 47. 54. 47. Georgia got it. Wow. Hey. Most of you are really high. Um, and Marv. I was three years high. <laughs> yeah. Marv is younger, a lot. Cobby, a lot younger. Um, 20. 29. So if Culkin was 10, that means that he's at least 12. Um, <laughs> what'd you say? You said 20? 20? 29. Oh, I think you're a bit high. 32. 34. 36. 33. Hey, Ooh. hey, for once I was, I was off by one. I'll take that. And there was I. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And finally, John Candy. Oh. Polka King of the Midwest. Polka, polka. Uh, 45. I'll go 44. Uh, 46. 42. Only 40. Wow. Ooh. Wow. He yeah. died so young. Four years yeah. later, he died. Yeah. Wow. Is that it? Yeah. Okay, so uh, all that's left now is some talk from the critics. Georgia, do you have some talk from the critics this week? I do, yes. I um, was struggling to find anything particularly positive, if you'd believe it. Okay. Um, the highest score it's got on out of 100 is 
80 um these are all on the on the metacritic website so it just puts them all in together the highest they've got is 80 um from the new york times said kevin had the potential to be the mawkish child or the obnoxious little adult so common on screen but he is neither played with great glee by macaulay culkin he is totally endearing up to the minute little boy right so that's yeah that's quite that's quite a good one yep the next the next 80 that it gives is from the washington post so it's still got 80 but the this doesn't sound like an 80 review to me. This holiday contender from John Hughes is too crass, too loud and too violent to be added blithely to Christmas viewing traditions. But it is funny, is what that one got. And then our favourite, Mr. Roger, Roger Ebert from the Chicago Sun-Times. Ebs. All pl- yeah, all plausibility is gone. We sit back, detached to watch stuntmen and special effects guys take over a movie that promised to be the kind of story audiences could identify with. Well, yeah, mm, I, I, yeah, I get behind that. All right. Uh, let's talk about some of our critics. Friend of the podcast, Dwayne Smith. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Dwayne. <laughs> you get you get later and later every time we do this. Sorry, it appears you're yesterday's news, Dwayne. Um, <laughs> no, I'm still paying is. attention to you, buddy. So it says, yeah. definitely. No, I'm, no, no, I'm sorry, I'm reading, about, I'm reading well, about Dwayne I'm now. I'm reading about Dwayne. I did by my dog. <laughs> Dwayne, I'm sorry. Definitely watch this film every Christmas. There are so many quotable lines. I love all the clips from Angels with Filthy Souls and the Running Statue gag. The climax with the ice stairs, paint cans, stair nails, blow towards baubles and micro machines is still brilliant. Love it. Uh, we have from Andrew McGuire, maybe my <laughs> the most succinct I told him. Child in danger, knock once, never go back. Property <laughs> being robbed, send four squad cars. <laughs> Which is exactly what happened. It is. MC Paperstacks. Been a while since we heard from MC Paperstacks. Thanks, yeah. buddy. I think I just noticed this for the first time when watching this with the family yesterday. During the fight in the kitchen with Buzz over cheese pizza, Kevin's plane ticket is thrown in the trash can, covered up with napkins soaked with milk, so no one sees them. Yeah, we picked up on that as well, yeah. but yeah. Um, Civic's Coffee Pod says, one of the most iconic movies of all time. A local house did up their lights in tribute to this movie. And it says in quotes, guys, I'm eating junk and watching rubbish on a sign outside the house. And says 2020, the year we stayed home alone. I have retweeted that if you want to look at that on our Twitter account. Our Twitter account, which is almost at 400 followers, which is quite wow. quite decent, I think, yeah. actually. I'll take that. Um Paul and Griff say it's not Christmas about Home Alone. It simply is a classic. Who didn't want to booby trap their house after watching this as a kid? And uh, then finally, I think it is, on Second Watch Podcast said, the ultimate Christmas movie. The camera starts off above Kevin to make him look small, but throughout the movie it is mostly level or below him as he matures and accepts responsibility. And yeah, we noticed that too. Yeah, we do. So well done. Uh, thanks for reaching out, guys, on Second Watch. And uh, that is the critics from that side. So all that's left now is our ratings. Our ratings. Again, I'm not trying to talk you down. Right. All I'm saying is we compare this with every film in the history of the catalog. So it's not about is it your favorite Christmas movie? Is this a great film? And whatever your rating is for that, that's fine. But I just wanted to make that speech because I'm terrified. And same for next week too. But I'm terrified that at some point uh, you know, s- sympathy and, and nostalgia could take over what's a, a bit of a, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Subjective or objective, anyway, look at these films. Okay, the way I'm going to do this is what I would normally jump in at, I'm going to take half a point off. Okay. All right, so that's so it's, off. So it's, it's, it's a very strong whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, taking, a, taking out, uh, yeah. I'm going to say seven and a half crushed Christmas baubles. 
Okay, seven and a half crush Chris as well. Yeah, because my nostalgia want to say eight. No, that's fine. So I'm gonna say eight. Seven. I can live. I mean, I'm not sitting there seven, going, "My cringe in my face." There's some seven scores I'm scared about, but seven and a half, I'll take. Ethan, um, I'm giving it six privileged families out of ten. It's literally, I don't like most of the people in this, but the music's great, and a lot of this is really entertaining. But dear God, the McAllisters destroy this film for me and it might be because i'm just a complainy liberal on twitter uh but yeah they're <laughs> they're really they're too they're too much okay uh speaking of too much georgia you're up next not sure whether to be insulted by that or not well you, you can take think. your time thinking about it and get back to me but <laughs> okay, I will. i'll take too much time there we go about it kind of like um, you did with Dwayne smith <laughs> I'm sorry, my dog is on my bed. He's never on my bed. He's barking at me because he's been on my bed for three hours because he was bad. So he knows he's been, he knows he's in trouble. So he sat on my bed and just slept with me for like three hours, which is cute, but it's because he knows he's been bad. Um, back to the film. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to go with a six out of ten. Redeeming qualities being the attention to detail in some really strange places, but things I appreciate. Um, and Pippin agrees. And the scoring, I think is really good. Yeah, that's too. I think Pip went. No, I don't. Second yeah, mark. yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of bark. Don't, don't agree. Don't lump me in with you. <laughs> <laughs> and no, he knows I just outed him as a bad boy. Uh, <laughs> and Ellie, I'm sorry. I know it's my score that you're worried about. And as I said at the start, it's not about nostalgia because I didn't watch it as a child. I think it's got amazing music. It's got a fun storyline, and it makes me cry every time. Um, and we already knew that my score was going to be higher than everyone else's because I rated it as my number one Christmas film last week. But that's not why I'm giving it a high score. Um, I'm going to give it a nine. I had you penned in for a ten, so I'm, I'm somewhat surprised to well, see the nine. Well, to be, to be fair, I say you're not going to talk me down. You did kind of talk me down a little bit. But okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm not I, going lower than a nine. I'll be 100% confused. honest. It was you and Liam, both of you I was worried about with these scores here. Yeah, because I have a fondness for this film. Yeah, I do love there's it. nothing wrong with it. But you're just going, is it really... It's but like you said, you've it, got to put it in the grand scheme yeah. of things of other films, not how you get nostalgic around Christmas. Yeah, like if I went gun to your head and said, maybe not for yeah, Georgia, yeah, yeah. maybe for Georgia, and said Dark Knight or Home Alone, I don't think a lot of people are coming back to you with Home Alone. Yeah, exactly. No. Uh, so I'm going to go, uh, similarly to what someone else said, uh, it's not a bad film. No. It's not. It's a nice bit of child-friendly escapist. I felt a little bit more Christmassy for having watched it. I liked Same. going to see it on the big screen. It's good, wasn't it? Uh, the score cannot be understated how important it is oh, to this film. amazing. How important is this film, which really is just a lot of, of, of stunt gags. Yeah. The third act goes on a long time. The assault in the house is not a short amount of time. And to their credit, I was all right, but it's just like giving a kid, an ADHD kid, just, just I, I, I'm, I'm fuller. You're just giving me way too much Pepsi. And I'm going, I can't really contain myself. <laughs> uh, so I am going to give it uh, six extra cans of Pepsi for a kid who wets the oh, bed in a tent. Okay, that's not bad. <laughs> it's, 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 not, it's not a bad film. No. I don't think it's a good film. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's a decent enough film. I think six gives me a decent. Six is an average film, and I'll, I'll give it that. Uh, it's not, it scores a whole point lower if you don't have John Williams. The score mm. is that important for this film. I think the I think back in the eighties in Dursingham he had a house in Dursingham, John Williams. John Williams. Yeah, I thought you meant like Macaulay Culkin. I was like, no, no, way he's no, 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 John Williams. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Dursingham is is close to here, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, which is between. <laughs> I don't know. In between here and Sunny Honey. Well, I've only been here for almost a decade. How am I? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably about ten mile away. Oh, okay. So. 
So that just leaves us what we're going to talk about next week. And next week is actually just a couple days from now. So we are gathering together to have our best film ever Christmas party where the film we will be discussing will be a Muppet Christmas or the Muppet Christmas Carol. The Muppet not Christmas a Carol. Muppet. It's not the, uh, what do they call it? I always call it a Muppet's Christmas Carol. No, it's not indefinite. It's not A because that was just there's multiple Muppet Christmas yeah. Carols. It's the, the, the singular. The Muppet, yeah. yeah. It is the definitive yeah. Muppet's Christmas Carol. So as a result, we are going to be doing that. So I am here to tell the story, Liam, and you will be here for the food. Ooh. To quote a line from the film. I like that. So I'm looking forward to that very, very much. And you'll be hearing some shout-outs from some of our more regular c- contributors. They've recorded some stuff. We will get them uh, and get our Christmas on. So everybody must, here's the rules. We all must be a, a, adorned in Christmas attire. And we must almost have a Christmas beverage of some choice by us. Ooh. Okay. Me and Ethan are already in Christmas attire. Yeah, I'm like Kevin McAllister. I'm home alone. This is a lit candle that I'm currently drinking because it smells like eggnog. Cool. So that is the rule for that. So please join us next week when, well, not next week. Please join us in two days' time to ring in Christmas Eve mm-hmm. with the Muppets and maybe the best version of a Christmas Carol you'll ever see. I think so. I think so. So for best film ever, I've been Ian. I've been Liam. I've been Ellie. I've been Ethan. And you might think you're getting a lot of extra content this week, and that's okay, because the message from us to you is quite simply this. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Yippee-ki-yay, and we'll catch you on the flippity-flap. The flippity-flip-flap. For almost 60 hours. I'm tired and I'm dirty. I have been from Chicago to Paris to Dallas to. Where the hell am I? Scranton. Plenty of space in the parking lot, but the little cars go in the compact spot. Spot, 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 spot. Snack attack time. Don't lose your head. We like Cuginos for the tasty bread. They call it Scranton. What? The Electric City. 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 Scranton. What?